How high will Josh Gordon get selected tonight? Can former pros versus Joes runner-up Rob Vieira avenge 2014 and bring the title back to the Joes? Or will pros Jared Smola, Evan Silva, Nelson Sousa, and more dominate the field? Plus, former pros versus Joes league champion and 2015 Football Guys Players Championship runner-up Alex Blake joins me to host this 120-minute behemoth. It is the pros versus Joes FFPC division number two, the November Rain edition. Coming up tonight... Stick around, your HSFF hour starts now. live and heard around the world you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet it's the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by myffpc.com with your hosts eric balkman and dave gerzak the high stakes fantasy football hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world and now because no one else was available here are eric balkman and dave gerzak ask me why i'm a boss player getting high and when i'm rolling by Thanks a lot, Rob. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this special July 25th Pros vs. Joes episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. Greetings and salutations to all you Balkaholics and Gerzak and Addicts. I'm your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host, the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle Dave Gerzak, is once again off tonight. However, hanging out with me for the next two hours is one half of the dynamic duo of Team Kimura in the FFPC and a former Pros vs. Joes League winner he was also the runner-up in the 2015 football guys players championship which earned he and co-manager chris holland a cool forty thousand dollars back in the united states after spending several years in singapore please welcome back to the high stakes fantasy football hour mr alex blake alex uh alex thanks again uh for doing uh doing the play-by-play with me tonight eric thanks for having me i'm really excited about it um you know i, I just hope i don't screw it up <laughs> you know, listen, if there's going to be somebody who screws up the show tonight, it's clearly going to be me. I, nobody is worried about you. You're the glue that holds everything together tonight. I feel like with your experience of, of, of playing in, in so many high-stakes events and, and your experience of, of winning one of these pros versus Joe's leagues, uh, that, that will definitely add uh, the exact spice we're looking for tonight. Do you, do you remember when you and Chris won that pros versus Joe's league? I feel like it was like three or four years ago. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I remember it for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, clearly pros versus Joe league winners don't get invited back because you know we haven't <laughs> we haven't had the good fortune of, of winning the draw to be back. Um, and secondly, we you know we were obviously very excited about. It. We love draft experts. It's a format that, that I love. I'm really excited about seeing the strategies that both uh, the pros and the Joes take tonight. Um, I think it'll be very very interesting to see kind of you know how people make up their teams and. You know, there, there are numerous interesting subplots. Uh, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, 
where will Josh Gordon be drafted? I think that's a quite interesting subplot that I'm looking forward to see. Um, I'm seeing here on the board already Le'Veon Bell going at 108. Uh, so, you know, some people might consider that early. Might be the steal of the draft. You just don't know. Uh, but anyway, no, I, I'm excited about um, uh, I'm excited about hosting. Thanks again for having me. And um, one thing I wanted to clarify, by the way, uh, Chris Holland asked me to clarify this. Uh, it was actually his individual team that came in runner-up last year, losing by only one point uh, to, to Blake Pyle. We did have another team that came in sixth place, but you know, Chris wanted me to make sure to clarify that actually I had nothing to do with that team whatsoever. It was all him. <laughs> well, well, I appreciate that so much uh, for, for uh, clarifying. Uh, obviously, you and Chris share a ton of teams together. You also run a lot of teams individually as well. You guys have both achieved a lot of success tonight, and it'll be awesome to get your perspective on what's going to be happening in this draft tonight. We have the second of six special episodes for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is the Pros versus Joes November Rain Division 2 uh, and we'll be covering it for you for two hours. If you want to follow the live draft board, you can do so at youtube.com slash football. We have it streaming right there. Uh, I want to thank everybody hanging out in the chat room tonight. If you guys have any questions, post them in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, you can do so at HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman, at ALXBLK1, that's Alex, or at Chimera Fantasy, that is uh, Alex and Chris's uh, Twitter handle. Uh, you can post on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Hour. If you want to give us a call tonight, 347-426-3682, that's 347-GAME-OVA. Of course, the football at gmail.com inbox is always cranking. Uh, you can get those emails to us. Our producer, mutual friend Rob, and our audio engineer Bryce will get those questions to us throughout the show tonight. I'll remind everybody today is the last day to square your balance away and uh, get uh, your early draft spot for the FFPC main event. You can also add an additional team for just $1,500. That is at myffpc.com. So if you want your early draft slots this coming weekend, make sure you square those balances away. We have a ton of online satellites, Superflex, and Football Guys Players Championship drafts as well uh, at myffpc.com. We, uh, we're already through the first round here, Alex, so let's uh, enough of the, uh, the bear baiting, as my old high school history teacher always used to say, and we'll get to the actual analysis here. Um, running through the, um, uh, the, the lineup tonight, uh, I'm just going to read them off along with their first round pick. Uh, since we're actually already through the uh, halfway through the second round, these guys really are pros tonight. <laughs> Just burning through the burning through the draft. Picking first tonight uh, was of course Scott Pianowski from Yahoo.com. He makes Antonio Brown his selection there. Odell Beckham goes to FFPC Joe Rick Raymaker at the 102. Julio Jones uh, makes it three straight receivers in a row. He goes to the Huddle.com's David Dory. Uh, picking in the third spot tonight. Uh, the first tight end uh, off the board, no surprise that it's Rob, uh, Rob Gronkowski. He goes to Greg Zwickel, FFPC Joe, at the 104. And then we have a couple of running backs. DraftSharks.com's uh, Jared Smola takes David Johnson. And then uh, Rob Vieira, uh, FFPC Joe, he takes Todd Gurley. Rob actually uh, came very, very close to winning this competition uh, two years ago, losing by less than two points, I believe, to Tim McCullough from RotoExperts.com, who you heard draft last night uh, on this program. Uh, so Rob Vieira takes Todd Gurley at the 106. Evan Silva from Roto World takes A.J. Green at the seventh overall pick. And as Alex alluded to earlier, Jay Berg, of course, uh, J-B-N-Y and uh, of Proto Block fame. He, uh, he's the FFPC Joe taking Le'Veon Bell at the 108. Des Bryant goes off the board to Nelson Sousa at the 109. Quick uh, story about Nelson tonight. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter with the pros versus Joe's hashtag, but Nelson is giving away a Matthew Stafford autograph football for whoever wins this uh, 12-team league tonight. Uh, he's pretty confident it's going to be him. 
Uh, we'll be the judge of that after uh, Alex and I uh, review his draft coming up later on in the second hour. But he takes Des Bryant at the 109. DeAndre Hopkins is Chris Hammond's pick at the 110. Chris Hammond, an FFPC. Joe, longtime FFPC player, takes DeAndre Hopkins. Adrian Peterson is the third running back selected in the first round. He goes to uh, Bob Lung from Big Guy Fantasy Sports. Bob Lung takes Adrian Peterson. And rounding out the first round, Mike Evans is the 112 to Billy Wasoski. Uh, of course, Billy Waz is a uh, former, uh, just like uh, Chris Holland, former runner-up in the Football Guys Players Championship. I believe he did it in 2013, uh, 2013 or 2014. Uh, but he is uh, another former runner-up there. Uh, at, you know, our founder, Alex Kaganowski at the FFPC, commented how loaded this Joe's uh, section of the draft was tonight with, you know, 2,000-plus drafts, uh, you know, behind them, 50-plus years of experience. So this is going to be a tough Joe's field. And, Alex, as we look at that first round, not a lot of surprises there. I, I think that, the like you, you touched on earlier, the most interesting pick to me in this round was that 108 selection of Le'Veon Bell. Is he a guy, when you look at your high-stakes drafts this year and your strategy, is he a guy that you would look to grab in that middle, middle to late part of the first round? I think, it, I think it's a difficult call. Um, obviously, Le'Veon Bell, when he comes back, he, he was going in most football guys' drafts uh, and, and also draft experts' uh, regular drafts, uh, going at you know somewhere between the three pick to say the five pick, usually not later than that, maybe the six once in a while. Um, and uh, he has been slipping in football guys' drafts to somewhere around the middle of the second round, sometimes a little bit earlier, sometimes a little bit later. Um, which I think is probably about fair value. Now, I think in an expert's format, you know, you're still going to get 12 games out of the guy. Um, and, you know, if the guy's a stud, you know, week, weeks five through 17, I'm not sure exactly when he's got his bye week, uh, but, but, you know, you're going to get 12 big-time games out of the guy. Um, and, you know, so, so uh, I don't think it's unreasonable, uh, but I think that, there is risk in it. There is risk involved in it. Um, and I wonder whether he, he might have been there at the 205 uh, where, where uh, Jay got um, uh, Jordan Reed. Which is a good pick also, by the way. Uh, so, look, I think it's yeah, a risk-reward pick. Um, no, no question about it. He, uh, Le'Veon Bell last night uh, went, uh, I believe, at the 202 uh, in the Pros versus Joe's draft last night. So Bell climbing up a little bit, but like I always say, you got to get your guys. And if you're nervous that Le'Veon Bell might not make it back to you, you grab him at the 108. Not a lot of uh, surprises in the second round here, Alex, as, as we look through it. Um, obviously, a lot of receivers selected. That's what we saw last night. It's what we're seeing again tonight. Um, Billy Waz uh, couples up Mike Evans with another receiver and Brandon Cooks. Uh, Bob Lung takes Jordy Nelson at the 202. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, another guy who has uh, been in the news lately for not the right reasons, but it does affect his uh, fantasy ADP. He goes at the 203 tonight. Lamar Miller is the uh, second running back selected in the second round. He goes to uh, Nelson Sousa from Scout Pro at the 204. Jordan Reed, as Alex touched on, is the second tight end off the board tonight at the 205 to Jay Berg. Allen Robinson is Evan Silva's uh, second-round selection in the, uh, at the uh, 206 tonight. And then right after that, Keenan Allen goes to Rob Vieira. So back-to-back receivers there. Devontae Freeman is Jared Smola's pick here in the second round. So he goes running back, running back to start. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is Greg Zwickle's pick at the 209, followed by Brandon Marshall to David Dory at the 210. And rounding out the second round is Jamal Charles to Rick Raymaker, Amari Cooper, to, uh, to uh, Scott Pianowski uh, with the final pick in the second round. So as we look at this round, Alex, 
you know, we, we've seen Jordan Reed sort of going um, a, mostly at the end of the second round. Uh, obviously, Jay Berg knows that he is not going to get Jordan Reed in the third. So once again, he goes out and grabs his guy. I think what we're seeing from Jay tonight, a guy who who is drafted a lot in Football Guys Players Championship drafts and in FFPC main events, he's being very aggressive, knowing that only the top team in this contest will get that FFPC main event entry for 2017 valued at $1,825. That's what all these guys are playing for tonight. Second place, you're not going to get anything. So he's being very aggressive, yeah. getting the guys that he thinks is going to get him the crown. And I got to really uh, appreciate that strategy of, of, of making sure that you're going out and living or dying by the guys that you want on your squad. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think you have to respect that. I agree. It's a, it's an aggressive strategy, but, got in mind the guys that he wants. He's respecting the fact that tight ends uh, get 1.5 points per PPR in this format. Um, and uh, you got to respect that. Jordan Reed, latter half of the year last year, was just an absolute stud. In fact, um, uh, I think in the championship round of the football guys, uh, uh, players championship, and also the main events, Jordan Reed made a lot of people a lot of money. Uh, no question about it. So, uh, you know, it's an aggressive strategy. Uh, you know, we already spoke about Le'Veon. You know, I, I like it. I think he's, he's going out and getting the guys that he wants to get, uh, as you mentioned, Eric, and, uh, you know, he's going for it. You know, we, we talked about what these, uh, what these players are playing for tonight, that free FFPC main event entry for next year. A lot of people want to know. In fact, I've gotten a lot of DMs on Twitter and some emails this week. How do I become a Joe? How do I get selected for the Joe's uh, Pros vs. Joe's contest? It's real simple. All you need to do is uh, either pay your deposit or your main event entry for 2016 in full by the early bird deadline, which usually happens a week after the NFL draft. And once you're in that, uh, you are officially in the Joe's drawing. We do six of these drafts, so you have a... Uh, whatever, you know, I don't know how many people were in the drawing, but there's going to be 36 Joes selected every single year, six pros and six Joes in each draft. Uh, and the pros are selected by uh, Darren Armani from fantasymojo.com. Darren Armani does a fantastic job uh, putting this event together every single year. Uh, so he is uh, the person you want to talk to if you are a analyst listening and are curious about being eligible for this next year. Uh, definitely contact him. Um, so let's look at the, uh, the third round here, Alex. It, it, it's, um, again, I don't want to keep harping on, on Jay Berg's team, but he's making a lot of interesting picks, yeah. so it's tough not to. Um, but let's talk about Scott Pianowski's team uh, right away. He, uh, he takes uh, T.Y. Hilton at the 301. So he, we saw a lot of teams last night uh, start off with uh, receiver, receiver, receiver. Uh, tonight we only see one team do it. Uh, there is a, a chance we could see two teams do it. But uh, he starts off with Brown, Cooper, and T.Y. Hilton from the number one spot. Alex, has been pretty rare. A guy who, uh, you know, you're a guy who's played fantasy football for many, many, many years. It is rare to see the person at the 101 spot start off with three straight receivers. But that's actually what Scott did tonight, Scott Pianowski. And you, you really, I mean, I, as far as the talent goes and, and the value he's getting at those spots, it's a strong way to start, even in a draft experts 28-round uh, best ball format like this. I completely agree. Uh, I've got to say, Amari Cooper, uh, you know, is one of those guys uh, that could be a top four or five wide receiver. Um, you pair him with Antonio Brown and Hilton, you know, with a healthy luck. Uh, that team right there screams power uh, and a lot of scoring potential. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love what he's done there. And I think, you know, not to sort of jump the gun, but, you know, the way that the board has looked for us this year, 
he's he's gonna he's gonna fill his holes. Uh, you know, so the theory goes that you do something like that and uh, pick three straight wide receivers, or somebody had picked three straight running backs or something that you know creates a lot of holes. Uh, but uh, you know, this is a year where those holes can be filled if you select the right players and and strategize the right way. So I gotta say, I love the way that team looks. Rick Raymaker takes Demarius Thomas, the Broncos receiver, at the 302. Doug Martin goes off the board much earlier tonight. Uh, than he did last night. Uh, David Dory takes Doug Martin at the 303. For uh, uh, references' sake, last night Doug Martin was not selected until the boy. Let's see, what was it? The 403 by uh, by Tim McCulloch. So Doug Martin goes a little bit earlier tonight, and we see right after him Mark Ingram to Greg Zwickel, uh, FFPC Joe taking him at the 304. Randall Cobb goes to um, Jared Smola uh, with the fifth pick, and then Sammy Watkins to Rob Vieira right after that. LaShawn McCoy is the first running back selected by Evan Silva at the 307, and then Jay Berg goes ahead and doubles up his tight end selection uh, with Greg Olson as his uh, number two tight end and the third tight end off the board tonight. Remember, this is a format where you can start up to three tight ends every week. This is a best ball format, so Jay will not have to pick and choose the uh, times he starts three tight ends. Uh, but uh, you also get a point and a half per catch for tight ends in this format as well. So tight ends uh, usually get pushed up in this draft, uh, in this format more so than they do in other drafts. And Jay trying to corner the market on tight ends by taking Greg Olson at the 308. Eddie Lacy goes off the board to Nelson Sousa at the 309. Uh, Golden Tate to Chris Hammond at the 310. Jarvis Landry is the pick right after that by Bob Lung. And the final pick of the third round, the fourth tight end off the board, we see Travis Kelsey go to Billy Wasoski. So two tight ends in the third round. Again, a lot of receivers, not a whole lot of running backs. And, and this is a recurring theme that we saw last night. Alex, we've seen it in drafts already this year. Uh, receivers getting pushed up. This is the highest I've seen receivers really get pushed up in the pros versus Joes over the last few years. We've seen tight ends have their have their rise in this format. Uh, we've seen running backs have their heyday, and this seems to be the year of the receiver with so many of them off the board here already in the third round. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, it's pretty amazing to see. Uh, you know, it, it looks to me like there's something like 11 running backs drafted in the first 40 picks of the draft. Um, I can't count the number of receivers, but it looks like it's about 15, maybe 16 receivers. Uh, so certainly very, very receiver heavy. And I think what that does, as mentioned, is it, it pushes some running back value down, right? There's still a lot of good running backs on the board. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how people build the team. I want to make one comment about Jay Berg's team. Uh, I got to say, you know, I'm really interested to see how he builds his club now, right? Uh, went very, very aggressive with the double tight end strategy, which I love, uh, to, to be honest, and uh, you know, really looking forward to seeing how he builds his club now. Yeah, and, and I just counted, uh, Alex, 20 receivers are now off the board in the first three rounds. Wow. Halfway through the fourth round, we, we already have 24 receivers uh, off the board, and I got to tell you, it's somebody who's loving uh, all these receivers flying off the board is Scott Pianowski, who already has three receivers on his roster. So he is going to get some nice running back value fall to him. I don't know about tight end value since we already see five tight ends off the board. We'll get to uh, who the fifth one was in the fourth round after we're done talking about the third round. I want to point out uh, one pick I've, I found particularly interesting, uh, a guy that I'm a little bit nervous about this year, and that's Sammy Watkins. He goes to Rob Vieira uh, at the 306. Alex, we, you know, he's he's had some injury issues. 
We know that uh, he is not practicing fully or he's not going to be opening training camp practicing fully. We may not see him and uh, what he's able to do at all in the preseason. Uh, so when you are drafting him, when we get to the main event at the Westgate uh, in Las Vegas, that first weekend uh, of the NFL season, you might be putting a lot of money investing into Sammy Watkins without really seeing where he's at in 2016. How nervous uh, does he make you as a third-round pick this year? Because obviously we know the upside's high. He crushed it the last you know, month and a half or so of the season last yeah. year with Tyrod Taylor. But not seeing him at full strength right now and knowing you may not see him at full strength until the NFL season starts, how do you view Sammy Watkins as a mid-third-round pick? So it definitely makes me nervous. It should be said that you know, from an ADP perspective, um, Rob got him at fair value. Uh, so this is around where he goes. Uh, I think he's got a most recent ADP of around 306, 307. Um, but he definitely makes me nervous. I think in the football guys' drafts that, uh, uh, that we've done so far, and even in the draft experts' uh, drafts that we've done so far, uh, FFPC draft experts, uh, we've avoided him. Uh, I've avoided him. Uh, just because he's one of those guys that you just don't know what you're going to get. Right? He's on the field, huge, monster production, particularly with Tyrod, as you mentioned, a great second half of the year last year. But he definitely makes me nervous. He's a risk-reward guy, uh, no, no doubt about it. Now, I'll say this, you know, goes for a lot of these types of guys. Um, if, you know, if he comes back healthy, plays 16 games, uh, he's going to significantly outplay that ADP. Uh, no question about that. So it's a risk-reward thing. It is indeed a risk-reward thing, and I, I think that everybody in this draft uh, should be focused on, on much more so on the reward rather than the risk, given what's at stake and, and given that uh, it's basically a, it's the old Ricky Bobby theory. If you ain't first, you're last, and, and that's the, the format here since first place in each one of these leagues will get that main event entry, and everybody else will be uh, wondering what might have been. You can wonder what will be coming up next as we go to our first break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the fourth round. We're going to talk about who that fifth tight end was that went off the board tonight. Uh, spoiler alert for anybody who normally listens to the HSFF Hour. I'm a big fan of his. That's all coming up next. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Alex Blake. We're broadcasting the Pros vs. Joe's Division Two draft right here tonight. We'll be back in just one minute. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour rolls on here. My name is Eric Balkman. Alex Blake co-hosting for Dave Gerzak tonight. Alex Blake, of course, uh, a former uh, Pros versus Joe's uh, main event, or excuse me, Pros versus Joe's league champion uh, in this format. He also, uh, what did you say, Alex, at the, at the top of the broadcast? Sixth place in the Football Guys Players Championship last year? Yeah, so we had a Kimura team. Kimura is the, uh, the sort of joint franchise that myself and Chris Holland have that was sixth place. Uh, and Chris was the one that was second place. Uh, it, it, interesting, you know, very quick story. It was him, uh, there was a gentleman called Blake Pyle, who I think most people know won the, won the whole shebang. Uh, so congrats to Blake, uh, huge effort. Um, but him and Chris went into, you know, the final minutes of Monday night, week 16. Uh, Chris lost by just 1.2 points, if I'm not mistaken. He had Emmanuel Sanders, needed 15 points going into the night. Uh, he got 14 by halftime and then didn't catch another ball the whole rest of the game. So it was a bit heartbreaking for Chris. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, coming in second place, uh, as you mentioned, he, uh, he definitely, uh, I, I don't know what he did with the money, but he definitely took home a, a load of cash. So congratulations to him for coming in second. 
Yeah, forty thousand dollars for Chris Holland last year, and and Alex has enjoyed a, a lot of success, not just the, last year in the Football Guys Players Championship, but in the FFPC main event and the FFPC many years uh, going uh, going back many years as well. Uh, so it's awesome to have you on, Alex tonight. Let's let's talk about this fourth round here as we go through. Uh, let's see, the four hundred one pick was Billy Wazowski taking Dante Moncrief as his third receiver. We see Cam Newton going off the board. Uh, at the 302, the first quarterback selected tonight to Bob Lung. My boy, Kobe Fleener, uh, goes at the 303 to Chris Hammond tonight. He is the fifth tight end selected. And then we see uh, three straight receivers go off the board. Julian Edelman to Nelson Sousa, Doug Baldwin uh, to Jay Berg, and Jeremy Macklin to Evan Silva. A couple of running backs go right after that. Rob Vieira takes C.J. Anderson at the 407. Matt Forte is Jared Smola's pick at the 408. That is uh, Jared's third running back tonight. Eric Decker goes off the board right after Matt Forte to Greg Zwickle. Carlos Hyde and Deion Lewis follow him. Hyde to David Dory at the 410. Deion Lewis, the 411. And then rounding out the fourth round is another receiver for Scott Pianowski, Larry Fitzgerald. So he starts off with four straight receivers. Uh, you look at um, this round, Alex, and, and uh, we see Kobe Fleener go off the board. I, I love him. Uh, I think he's going to be great this year. Does he make sense as, not even talking about ADP, but does he make sense as the fifth tight end off the board in high-stakes drafts this year? I think so. Uh, I'd say that, you know, he, so, so he is, him and, and uh, Delaney are very close in ADP. Uh, Delaney is actually slightly ahead by just two picks in the late, latest ADP uh, that, that we have. Um, so it's really between him and Delaney. I got to say, uh, Scott got great value off Delaney in the fifth round there. Uh, but going back to the Fleener pick, which you were talking about, I, I you know, he, he's got every opportunity to be, you know, in, in, in tight end one, uh, in this league, right? We know that New Orleans loves to throw the ball to tight ends. We've seen what can happen with, uh, Breeze and Jimmy Graham in the past. Uh, Fleener is a very athletic guy. Uh, they haven't had a guy like that um, since Graham left. Um, and certainly he's got all the upside in the world. Now, you know, it's not without its risk because you haven't seen him perform to this level. So you're drafting promise. You're drafting the fact that he could perform to a Jimmy Graham level. Um, and I certainly like him. I know you like him too. Um, you know, I guess the question is, who do you like better, him or Delaney, who are two guys that are very close ADP-wise? Yeah, definitely. I think it's 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 sort of two different uh, types of upside that you have with Fleener and Walker. You have Fleener, the unknown upside. What, what is he going to be in that high-powered passing offense in New Orleans? What is he going to be uh, with Drew Brees throwing to him? And then you have Delaney Walker. We sort of already know what he's been able to do in Tennessee with Marcus Mariota throwing to him. So I think that you have sort of... Um, you know, the, the unknown with Kobe Fleener, which makes him attractive. And then you have the consistency with Delaney Walker, which makes him an attractive selection as the number five or six tight end off the board. Let's go to the phone lines here on uh, take our first caller tonight on the pros versus Joe's division two uh, November rain uh, draft tonight. You are on with Eric Balkman and Alex Blake. Who do we have the pleasure of speaking with? This is uh, Matt Zazula, Tango and Cash. I drafted last night from the ninth spot. I just you know, didn't get to call you last night. So I figured I'd call in while it's going and just to kind of say what's up because I felt bad I didn't call in last night. Oh, no worries, Matt. It was it was awesome uh, uh, seeing your draft last night. I'm sure that you were very wrapped up into your draft, drafting from the nine spot. Uh, I actually uh, I have your draft in front of me, and I think one of the things that I talked uh, about with uh, – 
with uh, co-host last night, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner Farrell Elliott, about your squad was getting those pass-catching running backs, getting uh, Danny Woodhead, Matt Jones, Arian Foster. These were all guys that have been very successful catching the ball, and I feel like that aspect of those running backs at that position made them very attractive for you to get at that nine spot. I agree, and I was surprised um, Ajayi was sitting there at the 11th. So I actually locked up the backfield of uh, the Dolphins, you know, and I was like, cool. (laughs) I couldn't have asked for a better spot there taking him there, you know. Matt, what what else? Sorry, Matt, ahead, what, sorry. what else in, in, in your draft last night uh, when, when you when you did it from the nine spot? Did anything else stand out, uh, you know, as a guy who's done a lot of high-stakes drafts before, drafting with the six Joe, or the five other Joes and the six pros last night? Was there anything that stood out to you when, when you were drafting? Well, you know, I was very ecstatic when A.J. Green fell to me at, at the ninth spot. I, I think he's got top three potential this year overall, uh, you know, and I – I had him in the queue. I didn't think he would be there. You know, when David Johnson went number two overall, I was actually thinking about him at the ninth spot, but it made it a lot easier for me once A.J. Green fell to me. So that was really like an eye-opener for me. Uh, but then, you know, uh, Alshon, I was looking at Mike Allen or uh, Mike, uh, Mike Evans or Keenan Allen and you know, for my second pick, but Alshon was sitting there, and I think he's going to have a really high, you know, career year. So I, I loved him or get a lot of targets at least, you know, because Jay Cutler loves to stare down certain receivers and he's, you know, his contract year. But I just love those, you know, two getting those two. And then when Jordan Reed was sitting sitting there in the third round, I thought that was amazing value there. So, I mean, those first three picks. But, uh, you know, Jordan Reed was the one that kind of, for me, I was like, oh, he's almost going in the fourth round. I can't let him, you know, go at that spot. Yeah, I think that's that. That was pretty interesting to me too. You know, you see him go tonight at the two hundred five. You guys, uh, you got him, Matt, last night at the at the three hundred nine. So definitely great value for him. And I can tell you from an ADP standpoint, uh, that was really good value uh, for Jordan Reed as well. You look at the tight ends uh, that were selected last night in your draft, Matt. Uh, at the end of the fifth round, there was just six of them off the board. We look at uh, the fifth round tonight, and we have, it looks like, um, eight off the board, I want to say. Yeah, eight tight ends off the board. So tight ends, we talked about how they actually got pushed up, sort of like that that second tier of people trying to make sure that they get a top 12 guy. That tier got pushed out. It seems like everybody wants to make sure that they get a starter tonight, or the majority of the teams want to make sure that they get a starter tonight with uh, seven teams having tight ends. Of course, Jay Berg already having two tight ends on his roster. But maybe more of a priority uh, of getting one of those upper echelon tight ends, and maybe after seeing your draft last night. You know, I, I, it was funny. I think it was the eighth round I took Gates, but there was a bunch of – it was, a, you know, like a, a landfall. There was a bunch of tight ends going there, and I figured – you know, Gates is another guy with a lot of upside. You know, in the best ball format, you want those guys that can give you a 30-point week. You know, he might not play the whole year. He's kind of on the wrong side of 30, obviously. But, you know, if he can get, get you a few few weeks where he can get you 30 points. And, you know, I love quarterbacks that, you know, they have a rapport with the guy. You know, Dalton has a rapport with Green. Gates has a rapport with, you know, Rivers. I mean, you you can't deny that. You know, just like Jordy Nelson with Darren Rodgers. I mean, you know, it's just it's just hard to hard to you know look away from that type of stuff. Alex, you're but, uh, you're uh, a fellow high stakes player along with Matt. Do you have any uh, Do you have any questions? Maybe not even necessarily about pros versus Joes or maybe this specific draft, but anything uh, that you wanted to ask him before we uh, we let Matt get, get back to enjoying the draft. Well, just a couple of comments. I've got the board up as well from last night. Nice job, by the way. 
Um, oh, thank uh, you. I think you've, got a, you, you, you've got a good-looking ball club here. Love the Foster Ajayi pairing, uh, you know, so you sort of locked up that backfield. Hopefully, Reed, uh, uh, where you got him there at the 309, was just ridiculous. Um, uh, so nice job there. Uh, yeah, just overall nice. I guess so just one question for you. Uh, you took Sterling Shepard at the 709. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you see in him. Uh, you took him as your WR4, um, so you obviously, you know, was a depth pick. Uh, but tell me what you see in him. Well, you know, Sterling Shepard, you know, all we can really have is go off reports in training camp. And I think it just in that offense, you know, um, Eli Manning, you know, he loves to throw a lot. You know, yeah, they do have Jennings, but even that backfield is very muddy. You know what I mean? So I feel like they're going to be, you know, in some shootouts this year. I know they did, you know, upgrade the defense. But um, I just think that Sterling Shepard, you know, as a wide receiver four or five, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy taking him there. You know, and if he can get me 60 catches, 700 yards, you know, four or five touchdowns for a wide receiver four, you know, uh, I, I would be awesome. With, you know, I, I would be all day with that, you know. And I, But I've just heard nothing but positive there. And, you know, and then, you know, the seventh round is an interesting round. I could have went with Marvin Jones there, you know, a couple other guys. And, and that's a number – he could be a number two in that offense as well with Detroit. So, you know, I think that's good, you know, kind of a good spot, seventh or eighth for Sterling Shepard. And, you know, and I just didn't think he would come back to us in the eighth spot. So Absolutely. that was my sort of – Just one other, one other comment, just to follow on on what you said about Gates, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think the last – I want to say in the last two or three years, uh, Gates has been an eighth-round-plus guy, right? Um, and I agree with you fully. Uh, I even, you know, every year it's like, well, he's got to have downside or Ladarius Green is coming on. He was coming off his foot injury a couple of years ago. He always outperforms his ADP, right? Uh, so I think that's a great, great tight end. That big, you know, you're going you're gonna to get a lot of points. You're going to get a lot of weekly scoring out of him as well, I think. I appreciate it. Well, Matt, we appreciate you calling in tonight. Uh, the fantastic draft, great job last night. And best of luck to you this season. Uh, everybody, uh, if you want to hear more from Matt, you can follow uh, him on Twitter, at Tango and Cash FF. Great Twitter account to follow, especially if you're interested in the FFPC and high-stakes fantasy football. A lot of great stuff there and a lot of great stuff tonight. Thanks so much for calling in, Matt. Best of, best of luck in pros versus Joe's, and we'll see you in Vegas. Appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the Vegas main event now. Thank you so much going to be awesome matt zozula from the tango and cash franchise we have another caller i'm going to get to him in a little bit but i want to go through this fifth uh, fifth round here with you alex now that it's complete uh, we already talked about how it was uh, very close between kobe fleener and delaney walker between who would be the fifth and sixth tight end uh, off the board scott pianowski made delaney walker the sixth tight end off the board at the 501 so he goes zero rb tonight with four receivers and a tight end in the fifth round kelvin benjamin goes to rick raymaker right after that uh, David uh, David Dory takes three straight running backs here in the third, fourth, and fifth. He gets Martin in the fourth, or excuse me, Martin in the third, Hyde in the fourth, and Thomas Rawls in the fifth. And then uh, Zach Ertz to, goes to uh, Greg Zwickle. Another um, Joe taking two tight ends early. Uh, Ertz the uh, second tight end uh, for Greg Zwickle behind Rob Gronkowski. Michael Floyd is the next pick to Jared Smola. Duke Johnson goes to Rob Vieira as his third running back uh, here in the mid-fifth. Tyler Eifert is the selection after that for Evan Silva as his number one tight end. And then Josh Gordon. We talked about 
what a compelling story it would be tonight to see how far he would get pushed up with the news today stating that the NFL will reinstate him with a four-game suspension to start the season. He'll return October 3rd, and he is the number two receiver for Jay Berg tonight. Uh, he gets uh, Josh Gordon at the 508. Jordan Matthews, the pick after that, and then three running backs to end the fifth round. Danny Woodhead, Justin Forsett, and Giovanni Bernard to Chris Hammond, Bob Lung, and Billy Wasowski, respectively. So let's talk about that Josh Gordon pick here. Alex, what do you make of him going at the 508? Is that a good spot for Gordon, knowing that he will be back week five? You know, I guess time will tell. I think it's interesting the strategy that Jay is employing here. Uh, because he's got Le'Veon four weeks and Gordon four weeks, uh, you know, so both of them out. Um, you know, Gordon could return and be monstrous. Um, uh, you know, you just don't know what that Cleveland passing game is going to look like. With RG3, he likes to chuck the ball. Uh, Gordon's obviously an elite talent, uh, so he could easily outplay that, that fifth-round ADP. You just don't know, right? The guy's been out of football for a while. Um, I think there's risk that, uh, you know, something could happen that he ends up being out more than four games this year, but I guess time will tell. Uh, again, look, I think the makeup of this uh, this football team, uh, I think the pick fits. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I think it's an aggressive, upside, uh, you know, second half of the season powerhouse type of pick, um, uh, and I find it find it interesting. It is interesting, uh, and I think that the the Gordon pick is uh, maybe the most interesting pick that Jay's had so far, and he's had some good ones. Let's go to the phone lines right now. You are on with Eric Balkman and Alex Blake here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Who is this? Hey, guys, this is Bob Long with Big Guy Fantasy Sports. How are you? Hey, Bob, good to hear from you, man. Good draft so far. Of course, you're picking out of the uh, the 11 spot tonight. You kick things off with uh, with Adrian Peterson. Were you happy to see him fall to you there, or was he a guy that you were looking at targeting? Well, you know, I, I kind of cheated a little bit and looked at last night's draft, and amazingly enough, Peterson actually went 11th. And so I kind of figured he would be there, um, and he did. And so I'm very excited about that. You know, I... I base all my stuff on consistency, how consistent that player is from week to week. And, you know, AP is, is one of those consistent players. He just, he's nonstop. He, he's, you know, always putting up good numbers every week. Last year, uh, he was right there in that 75, 80% consistency range. So I was excited to get him because he's a guy you can rely on. Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott, I could have taken him, but, you know, now there's some issues. It may go away, it may not, but. I'm not a big fan on, on taking rookies too early, and so I was going with the guy that I could depend on in Adrian Peterson. You know, Bobby, talk about the, the consistency, and I know you're big on that, and, and that, is, uh, that is what butters your bread is, is the consistency aspect of fantasy football. I look at the next two picks you have. Jordy Nelson, a guy who's had a fantastic career year after year in Green Bay. Jarvis Landry, who looks like he's ready to explode in Miami. You know, obviously getting all those targets uh, from Ryan Tannehill in that offense. Cam Newton, who won the MVP last year, but he's no stranger uh, to being the number one fantasy quarterback. Uh, but then let's let's talk about Justin Forsett, because if you look at his NFL career as a whole, it's been pretty underwhelming until he had that one really big season uh, with, uh, with Baltimore when uh, Ray Rice uh, eventually left the league, and Forsett really crushed it last year. Not so much. What do you see in Forsett in that Baltimore running game uh, for 2016? Well, the thing with Forsett is that when he's healthy, and that is the big key, he puts up consistent numbers. As you said, 2014, 81% consistent, one of the top 10 uh, running backs this, last year, or in that year. Last year, only 60%, 2015, 
but 60% is 22nd in consistency, which puts him as an RB2. Um, I think he has much more potential. Again, his injury was just his arm, not his leg. So he'll be back. They're going to need him. You've got Mark Tressman there. So I can see him getting back in that top 15, maybe even top 12. And to get him as my RB2 with Peterson there, I felt very comfortable with that pick being as consistent as he's been in the past. Alex, do you have uh, anything uh, you want to bring up while we have uh, Bob Lung from uh, Big Guy Fantasy Sports on the line? Sure. How's it going, Bob? Nice draft so far. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate it. Won't take too much of your time as I see you have a pick coming up. So, uh, well, I thought maybe I'd do it live because that's what you guys are looking for. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Right, we'll keep you on to, to have you do it live. Okay. That's very cool. I think if you can, if you can tell us who you're choosing between, that would be great when it comes to your pick, that is, of course. Um, but I, right. I, I want to ask you this about, about Forsett. I agree with everything you said. I think he's got all the upside. Uh, you know, could be an RB1, uh, uh, you know, bottom tier RB1. Um, what do you think about the competition in that backfield, right? So uh, you've got uh, Buck Allen, um, uh, who's there and obviously filled in while Forsett was out last year. Um, and, and they drafted uh, Dixon as well, uh, Kenneth Dixon. What do you make of the backfield there? What do you think will happen? Obviously, you know, given that you just drafted Forsett as your RB2, you, you think he's got a lot of upside. But what do you think about it in the context of the competition there? Well, again, I go to Mark Trestman as, uh, you know, offensive coordinator there. He had Matt Forte in Chicago. Um, you know, he always went with the veteran. Uh, Forte proved his worth. And I think that's what it's going to come down to Forsett. Uh, he's got to go out there and prove that he's that guy from 2014. Um, they're going to need to use him a lot out of the backfield, and that's his specialty. And I really believe that they'll give him every opportunity to succeed. And if for some reason he gets hurt, you know, I don't see them just benching him um, every, you know, just because he might have had a, a, a slow first half. Uh, I think Tressman will stick with him because I think he likes the veteran presence there. Um, and, you know, he, he has to be successful. I mean, that's what I'm going on. That's why I'm picking him as my RB2. Uh, you know, if he doesn't pull it off, he doesn't pull it off. Um, you know, I'm kind of looking at some other running backs to fill my RB3 just in case that doesn't happen. But uh, And I think there's some good ones still out there. But uh, right now, I'm, you know, I'm sticking with that being a success there. Okay. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense uh, when, when you talk about uh, Forsett in those terms. Hey, let's talk about, uh, because I know you're coming up here real quick, and I did, I did want to ask fine. you about Alan Hearns, uh, your, your mm-hmm. pick uh, at the 602 here. Bob, you, we've talked about on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour the, the regression to the mean that is going to happen uh, with the Jacksonville receivers this year. We talked about Alan Robinson maybe not getting as much yardage as he did last year. Uh, we talk about Alan Hearns maybe not getting as many touchdowns as he did last year, but we also talk about uh, the distance in fantasy production between Robinson and Hearns from 2015 to 2016. We feel that at least Dave and I feel that that Robinson and Hearns are, are going to be a little bit closer together this year uh, as far as fantasy production and the ADP and where they're being selected really hasn't happened that I mean Robinson's still a second round pick sometimes first round and Hearns still going in the sixth round you got to love the value that you get with Hearns in the sixth oh absolutely I was so giddy when Hearns was sitting there I couldn't see straight because again in my consistency <laughs> book that I put out this year uh, the consistency guide um, last year, Hearns was 67%. He ranked 24th as a, as a w- wide receiver in consistency. So he's an, actually a wide receiver, too, in consistency. I have him after Nelson and Landry. 
I have three guys over a 65% consistency rate. I, I can't, I can't, couldn't be any happier. I guess let's that means I'm about, up. Uh, the, uh, yeah, let, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about while while you're con, uh, contemplating that pick. Um, let's yeah. talk about the consistency guide real quick uh, because I know that you've released that for 2016. Tell us a little right. bit about uh, what that's about and where uh, where uh, uh, readers can find that. All right. Well, um, you can find it on Amazon or Google Play, but it's cheaper if you go to my website, BigGuyFantasySports.com. Uh, it's 5.99 there versus 7.99 at the other ones, and uh, you can download the PDF. There's a tier draft list that uh, is Excel that I update uh, almost daily now with all the changes, and uh, basically you're getting 175 plus uh, player profiles like you get out of a typical fantasy football magazine. But all of the information is based on their consistency, not just their year-to-date points. So it gives a different perspective. I always recommend people, this is kind of like the fries to your Big Mac. Uh, it's an add-on. You know, Look at this as well as your other stuff, and then pick the best players based on consistency and total points, and you're going to have a much better draft and much more success uh, by having a consistent team. And that then you can find that at BigGuyFantasySports.com. Bob, uh, what are you thinking here at the uh, at the seven eleven? You have two running backs, you have three receivers, uh, you have a quarterback already. What are you looking at here? Well, right now I think I have to go tight end. I mean, I've gotten down to the guys that kind of at my level where if I don't get one now, um, I don't feel comfortable with it. And exciting enough as it is, one of my favorite, most consistent tight ends for the last three to five years is Jason Witten, and that's who I'm drafting at this spot. All right, Jason Witten at the 7-Eleven. He's the 12th pick off the board. Bob, we're all going to check out uh, BigGuyFantasySports.com. And, of course, everybody can follow Bob on Twitter at Bob underscore Long. Bob, thanks for chiming in tonight. Really appreciate it, and good luck the rest of the way, man. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Bob Lung from BigGuyFantasySports.com. Follow him on Twitter, Bob underscore Lung. Uh, We are up against a break here, but listen, don't go anywhere because when we come back, we're going to talk to the guy who made that Josh Gordon pick. Jay Bird coming up right after the break here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Alex Blake. We'll be right back in a bit. It's the Pros versus Joes Division Two November Rain Draft here live on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. My name is Eric Balkman. Alex Blake, former Pros versus Joes League Champion in this format. And we talked about at the top of the show, Alex, one of the most compelling stories tonight was going to be where does Josh Gordon go? How high does he get bumped up from that ninth, 10th round that he was going at? And we have uh, the man on the phone line right now who took him tonight at the 508, Jay Berg. Jay, welcome to the show, man. Hello. Hey, Jay, Hi. how's it going? I, I, the, the Josh Gordon pick at the 508 is, is obviously what we want to talk to you uh, about tonight. Uh, what did you uh, what did you make of uh, of, um, of of he, of Gordon being there at the five oh eight and make you know wanting to make sure he's a part of your team as your second receiver there? Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me on. I've been uh, just like my tenth draft, and I have Gordon basically everywhere. And you know, my entire plans went out the window today, which is why I was so upset. <laughs> but I decided to get him anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because, um, like I said, he was going in the ninth, 10th round of, uh, of football guys' drafts and, and FFPC satellites. The news comes out today that he's going to miss the first four games, but he's going to be back after that. Even though you couldn't get him at that discounted price tonight, you still have to really love getting him at that discounted price in so many drafts already. 
Right. And you know what? It has to do with uh, thing early. Now, I don't want to time out again here. So oh, yeah, don't time out. Who are, you, who are you making a? Who are you thinking here? You got uh, three running backs, two receivers, a couple of tight Corey, ends. What are you looking at here? How's Corey Coleman? Is it too early for him? <laughs> well, I don't. Um, I don't. Th- I don't think it is. Even and and especially if you yeah. have Gordon. I mean, you get that that Cleveland number one yeah. production for the for the entire season. Okay. Yeah, what's his name's gone already. I mean, D'Angelo Williams. So. Either I could steal someone's handcuffs, or I could take my own handcuffs. That's the question. Jerry Allen or Corey Coleman? <laughs> it's it's I'm awesome. be nice. I, I like it. Getting 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 Corey Coleman here at the uh, at the eight oh five. You you lock up that uh, the Cleveland number one receiver production for the entire season. You still get two super talented receivers, and and man, I'll tell you what. If Robert Griffin is is uh, even close to back to what he was as a rookie, you are going to be loving life, man. Uh, getting uh, Le'Veon Bell, Murray, and Foster already, and then uh, Jordan Reed and Greg Olson receivers. What you had to fill in, and you get good value on Gordon. You get good value on Coleman. Uh, this has to be shaping up with uh, with what you had in mind tonight, uh, albeit you probably were hoping to get Gordon a little bit later. Yeah, so I mean, my strategy has to do with the time of the year, the who I'm going up against, especially with the experts. Um, you got to take a lot more risk with the payout, the single payout. And also, you know, early drafting is good because you get this like um, this anti fragility. You get um, you get guys that like. Tom Brady last year, his suspension got overturned. And um, Le'Veon Bell may not be suspended, you know, maybe overturned too. So, um, you know, it's specific to this draft. And, um, you know, my other drafts are not exactly like this. But DE, tight end, tight end premium, it's looking good. Talk a little bit about the uh, the Jordan Reed, Greg Olson back-to-back picks in the in the second and third round. When you knew you were drafting uh, out of the eight spot in this draft, were you thinking about grabbing two tight ends in the first three rounds, or was this something of of you just looked at the, how the board was falling to you and Greg Olson just made some sense uh, at the three hundred five after already getting Reed? Well, so basically, my I had my plan from the three eight all the way down to the twelve five. And I didn't have anyone in the one eight or two fives. Um, but my three eight was Golden Tate, Reed, and Olson. Um, and I said, you know what? Um, you know the wide receivers in in draft experts. I'm gonna have like six or seven of them. And you know this 28 round draft. I know I probably won't get either Jordan Reed or Greg Olson. Um, so I went for the high side and I got Reed. I can't believe Olson came back. Um, not sure why. And then I just had to grab him. And that, there went my whole Tate plan, you know. So. <laughs> the best laid plans of, of Jay Berg. Hey, Jay, um, we, we follow you on Twitter at JBNY, but we also follow uh, at ProtoBlock as well. Uh, I, I'd like to uh, for you to just uh, tell the listeners a little bit about uh, what ProtoBlock's about. Well, so ProtoBlock is we use this, this newest technology to turn anyone who's been playing fantasy football for 20 years we basically take their skills and we turn it into cryptocurrency. So you're basically getting a free lunch for all the work you've put in. So the way the game is designed, it's designed to be very difficult for the non-fantasy freaks and very easy for us. And it's like a distributed protocol. So it's kind of like Bitcoin for fantasy. Bitcoin for fantasy is, is, is an interesting way of putting it. You have an interesting draft, my friend. I, I feel like uh, 
we've been we've been spending so much time talking about your draft because it's been so compelling. I said to Alex uh, earlier in the draft that I feel like you know, and, and you mentioned it already too, Jay. With with this just having one payout, one team will win something in this draft. I feel like you've taken the approach of being very aggressive, making sure you get your guys. And obviously, you know, you, you kind of. Um, uh, we're hoping for Golden Tate in the third, but I know you were happy with Greg Olson uh, in uh, at that 305 spot there. But you really got to, I mean, to me, it's clear that you are going out, getting your targets in every round. And uh, and really, you know, a lot of people like to say, let the draft come to you. You're, you're trying to control this draft as much as you can, being one team drafting from the eight spot. Yeah, I have a saying I, I can't say on the air. It's F-A-D-P, because that kind of excuse <laughs> me every year. <laughs> Well, I certainly but also, yeah, it, we Dave. also my company is giving out a free um, entry to FFPC draft. We're having a raffle, and there's only like 30 people so far signed up. So you know, protoblock.com free main event entry to one winner for all your listeners. Yeah, def- I'm still a Joe. Hopefully, I'm trying to become a pro. Well, I listen. We, if you end up winning this draft, I, I think that uh, you are entering the the pro status, as it were, with uh, with ProtoBlock. Everybody, go check out ProtoBlock.com. Check out that raffle there to win a free FFPC main event entry. Follow Jay on Twitter at JBNY, and also follow ProtoBlock on Twitter as well for more information there. Jay, it has been a pleasure once again speaking with you tonight. I can't wait uh, to see you uh, again in in Vegas. Good luck the rest of the way. Good luck uh, with the rest of your drafts too, man. Thank you. Good luck with the podcast. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Jay. We certainly appreciate that. Jay Berg uh, drafting from the eight spot tonight. Uh, Very interesting draft. Uh, You know, I feel bad because we've had such great analysis from these, from, you know, Matt Zozula and and Jay Berg and Bob Lung calling in. We've we've actually missed a few rounds here. So I want to briefly recap. We'll go round by round. We'll get Alex's thoughts. We left off in the fifth, so I'll I'll take, I'll I'll start in in the sixth. At the 601, Billy Wasowski takes Aaron Rodgers as his first quarterback. We already said Alan Hearns went to Bob Lung right after that. Devontae Parker goes to Chris Hammond at the 303. And then back-to-back, Murray running backs. Latavius to Nelson Sousa, DeMarco Murray to Jay Berg. John Brown is the receiver taken by Evan Silva uh, in the, as his sixth-round pick. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders for the Denver Broncos right after that to Rob Vieira. Julius Thomas is the first tight end selected by Jared Smola at the 608. Uh, then we see Marvin Jones and Sterling Shepard go to Greg Zwickel and David Dory, respectively. And a couple of running backs end out that sixth round. That's Jonathan Stewart and Jeremy Hill from the Bengals. So <clears throat> we've seen, uh, Alex, we saw a lot of tight ends go off the board in the first five rounds. Only one tight end goes off uh, the board here. If I was to ask you uh, what your favorite pick is, maybe a guy that uh, was the best value in the sixth round is, as you look at it here, who would that be? I mean, who was a guy that, that you look at him, uh, and we already talked about Hearns. I mean, I like that pick as well. But if there's another guy in the sixth round that you thought was really good value, who would it be? Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go ahead and take the liberty of mentioning two picks. Uh, so first of all, I thought Latavius Murray um, at the 604 was was a good pick. Um, uh, rounds out this team as well uh, and got some good value there. And the other one was the lone tight end that went in the round, Jay Tom. Um, also good 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 value there at the uh, I guess that's the 608 there. Uh, definitely good value, um, uh, for, you know, for for uh, the gentleman from Draft Sharks who. Uh, hadn't taken a tight end in the first five rounds, so you got good value up Jay Tom there. So I particularly like those picks uh, for, for the and, and the way that they look on the teams that they're on. 
Yeah, I really like that Julius Thomas pick uh, for not having a tight end in the first five rounds. Garrett Smola did well to get him in the sixth. Moving on into the seventh round here, D'Angelo Williams goes to Scott Pianowski uh, at the 701. So his top two running backs after waiting on running back until the sixth round are Jeremy Hill and D'Angelo Williams. We'll see how the rest of his running back depth shakes out after that. Russell Wilson is the third quarterback off the board to Rick Raymaker tonight at the 702. Dwayne Allen. The 703 selection to David Dory, followed by Ryan Matthews to Greg Zwickel and Frank Gore to Jared Smola from Draft Sharks. Gore's teammate in the backfield, Andrew Luck, goes to Rob Vieira with the uh, 706 pick. And then Antonio Gates right after that to Evan Silva. That is Evan Silva's second tight end so far tonight. Arian Foster to Jay Berg. Tyler Lockett is the selection to Nelson Sousa at the 709. And then Matt Jones, the running back for the Washington football Redskins, goes to uh, Chris Hammond. Jason Witten, as we heard from Bob Lung, made that pick on air. Uh, Witten goes to him at the 7-11. And Amir Abdullah, how the mighty have fallen, the 7-12 tonight uh, to Billy Wasoski. We talked about on the show last night, Alex. It was interesting that Amir Abdullah last year was going in the fourth round. This year you can get him in the seventh. Pretty good value for Abdullah there for Billy Waz. Yeah, very good value for him. Uh, I guess the situation with Abdullah, and, you know, we, we've – uh, I've been faced with situations in, in football guys' drafts where um, I just don't know what to do when Abdul is there somewhere around there, uh, seventh round. I've taken him a couple of times, but I make sure to try to cuff him uh, as well. You just don't know how things are going to shake out of that Detroit backfield. Hey, you don't. I mean, it's, it's interesting because you have Theo Riddick grabbing all those uh, uh, targets uh, out there this year. I think that's going to be compelling to watch. And then, of course, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Stevon Ridley, uh, Zach Zenner, uh, Mir Abdullah is, is, is the guy that they want uh, to be the guy there. Will he be? Time will tell. Um, <clears throat> we move on until the, uh, to the eighth round. And uh, Billy Waz couples that Amir Abdullah pick. He goes back-to-back running backs with Jeremy Lankford. Theo Riddick is the next pick to Bob Long right after that. Ladarius Green is the second tight end for Chris Hammond tonight. Nelson Sousa then takes Kevin White from the Bears. We heard uh, Corey Coleman's pick on air to Jay Berg at the uh, 8.05 tonight. And then Deshaun Jackson goes to Evan Silva right after that. Gary Barnage is Rob Vieira's number one tight end. He grabs him in the eighth round, followed by Michael Crabtree to Jared Smola, Jay Ajayi to Greg Zwickel, and then a couple of tight ends. Martellus Bennett is the second tight end drafted by David Dory, and number one tight end for Rick Raymaker in this draft is Zach Miller. Rounding out the eighth round is Chris Ivory. So Scott Pianowski, uh, as we look at his team, he starts off with four straight receivers and then a tight end, and now he's pounding the running backs. Hill, D'Angelo Williams, and Chris Ivory. i got to be honest with you, uh, Alex, that is not a bad consolation prize at running back for getting those stud receivers in Delaney Walker. Absolutely not. I totally agree. I like the makeup of his team. A lot of people think Jeremy Hill is going to have a huge bounce-back year this year. Um, uh, I was reading just on Roto World, actually, today uh, about um, how when Eifert was out, uh, Jeremy Hill actually produced uh, you know, very respectable numbers. Uh, so, look, I think for waiting until the sixth round, so the sixth and seventh round, to pick your first running backs, you could do worse than those two guys. D'Angelo, you know, he's a, he's a solid uh, uh, non-committee starter for the first four weeks of the year. So, you know, you're going to get production there. And you never know what's going to happen for the rest of the year, too. I think he was maybe one of the early season surprises last year. Um, and, you know, you go into the season knowing uh, that he's going to get four games as a starter there, right? So, I think he did very well for the strategy that he employed here. Uh, getting four stud receivers plus Delaney at value in the fifth. Um, you know, he, he's solved running back. Let's put it that way. 
you know, we've, we've talked, and for anybody who normally listens to the High Stakes Fantasy Football or Friday nights at 10, 9 central, you know that we've, we've had quite the weekly discussion on Kevin White. Uh, this is really his rookie season this year as he missed all of his uh, true rookie season last year with, uh, with the leg injury. He's coming back healthy this year. And Alex, you know, I know Dave and I have a wager on, on Kevin White versus Corey Coleman this year. They go almost, uh, well, they actually do go right next to each other tonight. Let's talk about Kevin White and where you stand on him. Do you think that, that he is the type of guy who is going to have a breakout season in Chicago this year? Or are we overrating him based on uh, the potential that we saw in college and not taking uh, enough into account that he still is uh, the number two receiver in that offense behind Alshon Jeffrey, and the fact that he that he missed so much time that that we don't know if he's going to be the same player he was in college. Where what's your stance on Kevin White this year as far as how many drafts you're looking to target him in? Well, I, I think that I'm going to I'm going to try to target him at value to begin with. Uh, you know, I, I like White. I think he's the type of guy that's got a lot of upside coming into the last year. Uh, you know, stud coming out of West Virginia. Um, uh, and, you know, he, he was easily, uh, in terms of rookie receivers, he was right up there. I, I can't remember exactly where he, was be, where he was being drafted last year in his rookie season. Obviously, he had the injury, um, uh, and now he comes back. I, I, you know, I, I, I like him. Uh, at an eighth-round value, you look at the guys that have gone after him, um, it, you know, I, I would put him above all of those guys with the possible exception of Crabtree, um, uh, but you know, again, as an eighth round value, I, I think it makes sense. It does make a lot of sense. And Nelson Sousa grabs him, uh, at the 804 pick and we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Nelson Sousa's ninth round pick, the 909 pick. I think that's another interesting guy, uh, that we definitely want to discuss and really has not gotten the airtime on, on fantasy podcasts, at least the ones that I listen to, uh, for the majority of the off season. This is the high stakes fantasy football hour broadcasting the FFPC pros versus Joe's division number two, November rain league tonight live. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Alex Blake. We're going to talk a little bit about this tight end right after this. The FFPC Fantasy Football Players Championship Pros versus Joe's drafts are live this season. We are broadcasting all of them here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. My name is Eric Balkman and uh, my co-host tonight, Alex Blake, sitting in for the Dizzle Dave Gerzak. Alex, of course, a former Pros versus Joe's uh, league champion and uh, also has won a ton of of cash playing in the FFPC over uh, the last, uh, whatever it is, six, seven years, uh, and uh, also cash in the Football Guys Players Championship, a top six finish last year, so a good chunk of change there as well. If this is the first time you're ever listening to the show, I want to remind everybody that we broadcast live every Friday night, 10, 9 central. You can uh, catch the live show, hang out in the chat room with the other high-stakes fantasy football players. Uh, that's at blogtalkradio.com slash HSFF. If you have other plans on Friday nights, and I know who has other plans on Friday nights, uh, you can always check the uh, stream and download us later on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Overcast FM, and Spreaker, uh, plus uh, another, uh, another outlet that I can't talk about yet, but a very exciting one that uh, we will be on shortly. So, Alex, we, uh, we look at the ninth round. I'm going to take this uh, pick by pick here. Uh, starting with the uh, with the first pick of the ninth round, Marcus Wheaton is uh, Billy Waz's pick. Uh, there, the Pittsburgh receiver, and then Ben Watson goes to Bob Lung right after that. Excuse me, Be- Benjamin Watson goes uh, to Bob Lung right after that. T.J. Yeldon uh, goes to uh, Chris Hammond with the 903. And the pick I wanted to talk about here: the first tight end drafted by Nelson Sousa 
that is uh, Vance McDonald from the San Francisco 49ers. We talked about the 49ers offense on the show last night, uh, an offense that maybe not a lot of fantasy players want to invest in, given there is a new coaching staff, a new offense, a quarterback who has not uh, started for a full season in the NFL, uh, a running back who has not shown that he's been able to uh, remain healthy uh, in the NFL, and nary a consistent receiver really on that roster when you're talking about Torrey Smith being the number one option. A lot of opportunity for Vance McDonald to really stake his claim uh, as a top 15 tight end in the FFPC this year. What do you make of that Vance McDonald pick as uh, Nelson's number one tight end in the ninth round? Well, I, I like it. I think it's a good pick. Um, but it's one of those ones where, you know, you just don't know exactly what's going to happen there, right? Um, uh, again, you've got the Chip Kelly offense going in San Francisco. Uh, you've got to think it's going to be high-powered. He doesn't have the offensive weapons with the possible exception of, of Carlos Hyde um, uh, that he had in Philadelphia. Uh, so he's got all the upside in the world, no question about it. He's got all the upside in the world. I'd like uh, what he's done with his 10th-round pick, and I don't mean to jump the gun because I know you're going to go pick by pick there, uh, but I definitely like the combination there. I definitely like the combination there. Yeah, it, it, that is, uh, it, it, it's an interesting strategy for waiting on tight end until the ninth round. We'll, we'll, I, I agree with you that I think that 10th round pick is worth talking about. Let's get through the rest of this ninth round so we can talk about that pick. Uh, right after Vance McDonald goes to Nelson Sousa, Kamar Aiken is the receiver chosen by Jay Berg. Uh, Charles Sims goes right after that to Evan Silva. Charles Clay uh, is the second tight end drafted by Joe Rob Vieira. Uh, Willie Sneed is the pick right after that to Jared Smola's DraftSharks.com team. Drew Brees, the fifth quarterback off the board tonight, goes at the nine. Uh, excuse, oh, I'm, you know what? I'm going in the reverse order. I'm totally sorry. I'm just realizing this now. Um, this is the reverse order of, of the ninth round that I've been reading off. My fault, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so let's start off with, uh, with the 901, uh, the way that it went. Eric Ebron to Scott Pianowski. Will tie to Rick Raymaker. Melvin Gordon is the 903 to David Dory and then Drew Brees. Then we see Sneed, Charles Clay, Charles Sims, Kamar Aiken, Vance McDonald, TJ Yeldon, Ben Watson, and Marcus Wheaton. So my apologies for messing up the order on that round. But uh, we already talked about Vance McDonald. Alex, there's a lot of tight ends to talk about in this round. We're seeing them fly off the board here in the ninth with Ebron, Ty, Clay, McDonald, and Watson all gone uh, by the end of the ninth round. Do you th- I mean, is this something that you look at when you're building a team uh, in, a, you know, in an FFPC tight end premium format? Are you trying to get two tight ends, uh, let's say, by the end of the ninth round to make sure that you're going to have options there, both as a backup and as a potential starter for flex? Um, is, is that something that you try to do on your teams? I think generally, yes. Uh, because here's the thing with tight ends, right? You know, you're going to have a handful of guys that produce big numbers, and then there's, there, there's going to be a drop-off there. Of course, there are tiers just like there are at every other position. Um, now, you look at some of the names that go in the ninth round, uh, guys like Ebron, Clay, even Will Ty, um, uh, you know, had, had a good second half of the year last year. Uh, ben Watson in a new situation in Baltimore. These are guys that, that all have upside. Uh, Clay, you know, probably underperformed his ADP last year, um, uh, but's got upside, and, and you know, it, it, in that Buffalo situation, should be quite interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, I guess more more directly, you know, we, we I, I prefer, and when Chris, I, I've got to say, Chris Chris put out a tweet today 
uh, indicating that I hate tight ends or some such thing, which which I would totally dispute. Uh, but one of the reasons for that is I, I tend to wait a little bit longer. Uh, I think Chris tends to be more aggressive on the tight ends uh, because he likes the you know the extra half point PPR. Um, but you know, again, it's a bit of a risk reward situation. You look at the guys that you know there were there were uh, five tight ends that went uh, here in the ninth round. Um, and, you know, of those guys, some of them are going to produce and some of them are going to be flops. It just depends on which ones and, and what you believe in. Um, and, you know, we'll see how things shake out. I, you know, look, some of those guys are going to produce, so they're going to be ninth-round huge value, no question. I remember, um, I think it was last year, uh, or maybe it was the year before in 2014, but then again last year was Martellus Bennett was an eighth-round, maybe seventh, eighth-round guy. Anytime we get him in the eighth round, uh, we would snatch him up every time. Um, and he ended up producing like TE3-type numbers, uh, so huge eighth-round steals. So you get those types of guys, no question. I want to shift and uh, talk about running backs here, Alex, because what I'm seeing in, in comparison when I look at the pros versus Joe's draft last night, I see TJ Yeldon and Chris Ivory going back-to-back in the 11th uh, last night. Now tonight, um, Scott Pianowski grabs Chris Ivory with the final pick of the eighth round, and then T.J. Yeldon doesn't go off the board until the end of the ninth. It was the 9-10 pick by Chris Hammond. So, I, you know, maybe this is just extremely small sample sizes that Ivory gets pushed up three rounds, Yeldon gets pushed up two rounds. Do you view the distance between those guys as, as almost a full round? Do you think that's accurate in how their production will end up being at the end of the year? Or how, I mean, which one of those guys would you be looking at targeting if you were drafting? You know, that's a very, very difficult thing to, 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 to mention. You know, I think Yeldon last year as a rookie uh, had a good year there. Uh, they brought in Ivory. Ivory obviously had an awesome year in New York. Um, I think it remains to be seen how things are going to shake out there. Is Ivory going to be an every-down starter with Yeldon as a backup, or is Yeldon going to be, you know, the primary RB with Ivory as more of a third-down type guy? Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Typically see Ivory go before um, uh, you know, in a, in a format like this, would it be great if you can grab them both uh, and have them both on a club? Um, but it's very difficult to tell. I don't have an answer to your question about which one will come out on top, um, uh, but it's an interesting situation to follow, no question. I know Farrell Elliott, last night's co-host, is a he's a big Chris Ivory guy this year. He's saying that uh, Ivory should uh, be going closer to the sixth round, maybe even the fifth round in some cases, rather than as late as he was going. He thinks Chris Ivory is a big-time buy this year. Uh, let's talk about the big-time buys that were in the tenth round here, and if I can go in the right order this time, I will. Starting off with uh, the ten oh one was Billy Waz, that was Tavon Austin, and then Torrey Smith, the number one receiver for San Francisco. He goes to Bob Lung, and that is Bob Lung's number four receiver on his roster. We see the number six quarterback come off the board. That's Big Ben Roethlisberger, and it's the number one quarterback for Chris Hammond. Uh, We'll stop and talk about Nelson's team because I said we were going to talk about this pick. We talked about Vance McDonald, how he went at the 909, and then uh, Nelson follows him up with another tight end, and that's Jordan Cameron, a guy who had a kind of a high cap number this year. And with Adam Gase coming to Miami, there was a lot of talk Will the Dolphins keep Jordan Cameron around with Jarvis Landry blossoming into a, a great PPR receiver? Uh, and then Devontae Parker, uh, who could be a massive threat on the outside. You already had Kenny Stills there as well. So there were definitely pass-catching options. 
But Adam Gase decides to keep Jordan Cameron around. And you talked about, Alex, that combo between McDonald and uh, Cameron there. Talk a little bit about what you love about pairing those two players together. Well, I think, first of all, with Jordan Cameron, I think he's a guy with a lot of upside. You mentioned the Adam Gase offense. Um, I've read, uh, read something about how uh, Julius Thomas actually told Jordan Cameron uh, they advised him to stay in Miami because Gase would, would uh, you know, would, would get the most out of him, right? As obviously he's done with the likes of Jay Tom, with the likes of Martellus Bennett uh, in Chicago and so on and so forth. Uh, so, you know, I think Jay Cam is a guy with a lot of upside. He's a 10th round guy. I think he's got, you know, he, he's got upside to, to really have value uh, way, way better than what his ADP is or where he's typically going, which is 10th, 11th round, right? Um, I think the pairing with those two guys, I, I, you know, I, it's, it's kind of a more of a gut feel thing, to be honest, Eric. I, I, I don't know that there's anything scientific that I like about the pairing. Um, but, you know, I think both guys have upside. Both guys could significantly outplay their ADPs um, and where they're typically being drafted. Uh, and, again, I think waiting until the ninth and tenth rounds to, to draft your first two tight ends in this 1.5 point per PPR format, um, you know, it, it just looks like a good pairing to me. You, uh, we talked about Jay Berg uh, pairing up Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon, those Browns receivers. At the 10.05, he takes T- Steve Smith right after Kamar Aiken, so he gets a couple of Ravens receivers there. Uh, and then right after that, Kyle Rudolph is the third tight end selected by Evan Silva. I believe he is the first team tonight with three tight ends. Yes, I mean, now there's a team with four, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But Kyle Rudolph is the third tight end selected by Evan Silva. Rashad Jennings. Uh, the starting running back for the New York Giants uh, goes to Rob Vieira right after that. And then another couple of tight ends, Austin Safarian Jenkins to Jared Smola. Clive Walford is the third tight end selected by Greg Zwickel. Clive Walford, the uh, second-year tight end from Oakland. And then Blake Bortles right after that to David Dory rounding out uh, the 10th round. Tevin Coleman uh, goes to uh, Rick Raymaker, who does not have uh, Devontae Freeman, but he takes Coleman at the 10-11. And Philip Rivers is the final pick of the 10th round. Uh, I talked, uh, I mentioned um, Tevin Coleman there, uh, Alex, as uh, going to Rick Raymaker despite not having Devontae Freeman. And a lot of people, and I, I feel like it's, it's kind of rudimentary, and I don't know if I'm turning off some of our listeners right now, but to me, it's, it's been clear, uh, at least over the last five or six years, that taking a, a running back's handcuff is a smart thing to do However, you don't want to reach on that handcuff, and you don't want to reach on a cuff that really just does not have the talent to, to, to acquire good fantasy points if you get the opportunity. It's better, in my opinion, to take handcuffs that um, not only have the will not only have the talent if they get the opportunity, but the ability to put up a lot of fantasy points. And I feel like even though Rick Raymaker didn't have Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman makes a lot of sense in the 10th round. Uh, where do you stand on, on, on the handcuff discussion? Are you a guy that is going to make sure he tries to get his own cuffs, or would you rather draft higher upside cuffs and, and, and let yours go if, if they're lesser options, even if they get the opportunity? Uh, I'm definitely a guy that likes to draft cuffs. Uh, and I think in this particular situation, um, uh, you know, you, you take a look at what Jared did uh, at, at the uh, five hole. Um, and he passed up on taking Tevin in favor of Austin Severian Jenkins. He needed a second tight end, uh, obviously like the ASJ there. Um, but Tevin was there. Uh, now, he's obviously, look at the, the running backs that he has. In his particular situation, 
he's probably waiting a little while to, to, to pick his fifth and, and beyond running backs. So maybe he didn't need Tevin there because of the fact that he's got a lot of strength at running back, right? Um, uh, and so um, uh, you look at Rick Raymaker. Uh, he took Tevin as his RB4. Uh, he's an upside guy, but he is a handcuff. Um, you know, I think Devonta's got that job pretty locked up, even though his numbers trailed off toward the latter part of last year. Uh, but I think he's got the job locked up. So it remains to be seen what Tevin Coleman is going to do um, as not the handcuff to Devonta Freeman. Uh, it's just your regular RB4 on a, on a ball club. Uh, so, again, remains to be seen. Uh, it will be interesting. And, and I'll say um, uh, Rick got fairly good value off him from an ADP perspective there, uh, typically going somewhere around the late ninth round uh, t- type of pick. Um, so, so Rick did get fairly good value off of him there. One thing I want to point out with the tight ends here as we, uh, we, we wrap up the 10th round, 13 tight ends have gone off the board uh, in rounds 8 through 10, and that sets every single team up in this league with at least two. A couple of people have three, uh, and I'm, again, I'm talking at the end of the 10th round. A couple of people had three. Everybody had two except for uh, Billy Wasoski uh, just has Travis Kelsey on his team. So for anybody who is listening who's maybe drafting in the pros versus Joes, maybe drafting in an FFPC draft experts. Remember, we have those leagues going on at myffpc.com uh, starting at $35. So if you want to try out this format, that is the place to do it. Um, but for anybody who's looking at this 28-round draft, and you want to make sure that you have a second tight end uh, by the end of round 10 because they are drying up quickly as, uh, as we move forward uh, to, the, uh, to the 11th round. But uh, just rounding up uh, this 10th round, final point, I want to make, um, we talked about Tavon Austin and Torrey Smith um, uh, last night uh, on the show, Alex, uh, about being pretty good values uh, in the 10th round. Now, Tavon Austin actually went much earlier last night. Uh, he actually, if I have it up here, yeah, he went in the sixth round uh, to run for Johnny uh, from draftdayconsultants.com. So he falls quite a bit tonight. I'm, I'm liking the, the Austin and Torrey Smith picks here in the 10th round. You're talking about, uh, Alex, two guys who, should be the number one receiver or uh, at least the, the highest targeted receiver on their teams this year, and you're paying a 10th-round price to get them. Really love both those picks, uh, Austin going to Billy Wasoski and Torrey Smith going to Bob Long. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Bears noting in the draft last night, Torrey Smith went uh, late seventh. Um, uh, so certainly uh, uh, looks like Bob got good value off him here at the uh, 10.02, no question about it. Um, you know, Tavon Austin is an interesting guy. Uh, in, in my view, he hadn't really done anything before last year. We actually started to, to, to turn things on. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in that L.A. situation now. Um, uh, and Torrey Smith, you know, uh, a, a guy who's obviously always had the talent, um, probably never lived up to the expectation. Uh, but now in that Chip Kelly offense, as you mentioned, is the number one receiver. Uh, and, you know, you think about the other offensive weapons that they have behind Hyde. We talked a little bit about McDonald. Uh, but Torrey Smith has all the upside that there is, uh, no question about it. Uh, and I, I like the pick as well. Uh, as a WR4 in this format, um, I think Bob did well to get him at the 10.02 um, and, you know, has upside on the squad, no question. 
Yeah, definitely a lot of upside there. And there's been more upside drafted in the 11th round with three rookie running backs coming off the board. We're going to tell you who they were and who they went to and how they fit into those teams right after we take this break. You're listening to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. This is the FFPC Pros vs. Joes, Division Number 2, November Rain League. I'm Eric Balkman, and he's Alex Blake. And we're going to talk more about the 11th round coming up right after this. The HSFF Hour rolls on here on blogtalkradio.com slash HSFF Hour. I want to thank everybody who's listening live. I want to also thank everybody who decided to download us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, and Spreaker. Much appreciated. Always appreciate you guys listening year-round to us. That really makes this job a lot of fun. It's making uh, me uh, really like uh, uh, this draft tonight. The fact that we get to cover six pros and six Joes playing for the FFPC main event entry uh, that one of these teams will win tonight. Uh, Alex, we're, we're looking at the uh, the eleventh round here now as as we take you through pick by pick of how this went. And there's a lot of color in this round. A lot of quarterbacks, a lot of tight ends, some running backs, and a couple of receivers as well. Bilal Powell kicked things off to uh, Yahoo Sports, Scott Pianowski at the 11:01. That's how this round started. That is Scott's number four running back. Uh, and I was going to say, oh, he pairs Bilal Powell with Chris Ivory. Ivory in Jacksonville now. Bilal Powell is still in New York, so definitely not a pair there. Uh, Richard Rogers, the 11:02 pick to Rick Raymaker. So Richard Rogers, interesting that he uh, is the first Packers tight end drafted tonight. He goes at the 11:02. Carson Palmer, the pick right after that to David Dory as his second quarterback. The fourth tight end for Greg Zwickle is Jimmy Graham, and he nabs him at the 11.04 tonight. Doriel Green-Beckham is Jared Smola's pick right after that, followed by Tom Brady to Rob Vieira. So he gets Andrew Luck and Tom Brady as his two quarterbacks. Devin Funches to Evan Silva right after that at the 11.07. And then the rookie running back run. Derek Henry to Jay Berg, Devontae Booker to Nelson Sousa, uh, Eli Manning and Kirk Cousins go to Chris Hammond and Bob Long, and then rounding things out in the 11th round is Jordan Howard to Billy Wasoski. So it's interesting, um, Alex, that we see these three running backs go pretty close together tonight in Henry, Booker, and Howard. Now, neither, uh, none of these guys uh, will are slated to be the starter in their backfield. Uh, the Titans have been talking up to Marco Murray uh, and Henry sort of working his way in um, as the uh, as the game goes on, but not necessarily started. Devontae Booker obviously clearly behind C.J. Anderson, maybe even behind Ronnie Hillman. We don't know how that uh, uh, depth chart is shaking, going to shake out in Denver by the time the season starts, but he's clearly not the starter there. A little bit more of ambiguity, a little bit more of, uh, of of the unknown in Jordan Howard. I mean, he could be the guy sooner rather than later. He is a different type of running back than Jeremy Langford. He's more of a bruiser, downhill type runner, uh, and a lot of, um, I would say a lot of people in, in FFPC drafts have really been drafting Howard higher over the last week and a half, two weeks or so, and, and Lankford is actually dropping a little bit. Uh, so when you look at those three rookie running backs, Alex, which one would you rather have between Henry, Booker, and Howard? Which one is your favorite pick uh, here in the 11th round? To me, the surest pick is probably Devontae Booker. Uh, and I say that with you know a little bit tongue-in-cheek because – uh, you never really know of these three guys. Obviously, you know, I think what Jay did um, uh, in picking Henry as a cuff to DeMarco, I uh, thought was an, you know, an interesting and, and smart strategy. Um, and uh, certainly the same with, with Billy at the 12-hole, um, uh, you know, p- picking Jordan Howard as a cuff to Langford. Uh, so no, no question about that. Uh, I have heard, and, you know, who knows, uh, it's, it's still July, Right, so we're 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 still a month and a half away from football at this stage of the game. 
but I've, you know, I've heard and heard rumblings and read news that Devontae Booker uh, could be the pass catching back in Denver. Um, obviously, you've got C.J. Anderson there starting. Uh, you've got Ronnie there, who, who's been there for a long time and knows the system and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see how that, how that all shakes out. But, you know, Denver, it's a very interesting situation there uh, because everything is new, right? You know, I think in previous years, certainly the last four or five years, you knew you, what you were getting in Denver with Peyton Manning, uh, the receivers, obviously big-time guys, uh, tight ends, uh, you know, and certainly when Jay Tom was there were big-time guys. Um, now you don't really know what you're getting. You've got, you, you know, you got a new quarterback situation there. Um, you know, pass-catching backs obviously are in vogue these days. Um, so a little bit difficult to tell on, on which running back. I'd probably go with Devontae Booker there. Uh, and, Eric, I want to make one other comment just about the 11th round here which is the Jimmy Graham pick uh, at 11.04. Huge value there, uh, ADP or (laughs) FADP-wise. Certainly Jimmy Jimmy Graham at the 11.04, huge, huge value there. Um, You know, you don't know what he's going to be in Seattle. Obviously, he's coming off the injury. But, you know, for me, when we were talking about tight ends in the last round, I was wary of mentioning him. I knew that he was there. I knew that he was there. I didn't want to say anything because, you know, you're not supposed to talk about picks when people are in the middle of drafting. But uh, I thought that was a huge value pick there. No question. You know, we, we talked about Jimmy Graham with, uh, with Farrell Elliott last night in the draft. And um, the, the way that the draft shook out last night with, uh, in regards to Jimmy Graham, he actually went uh, as the final pick in the eighth round uh, by uh, FFPC Joe James Harper. And that was James Harper's seventh round pick was Gary Barnage. And I said to Farrell, when's the last time you saw Gary Barnage drafted right <laughs> above Jimmy Graham on a draft board? And now I can say tonight, when's the last time you've seen Jimmy Graham drafted as a team's number four tight end? Because Greg Zwickel already had Gronk, Zach Ertz, and Clive Walford, and then he takes Jimmy Graham in the 11th. It is just crazy to, when we think about, especially at the FFPC with the tight end premium scoring, we think about how valuable Jimmy Graham has been over the course of his career with the New Orleans Saints. And now to see him drafted behind Gary Barnage and, and drafted as the number four tight end, is it as weird to see for you as it is uh, to, for me to see? It's just so, it's so bizarre looking at it. It's, it's bizarre. Uh, you know, and I think you can say from this draft, you know, when was the last time you saw Jimmy, draft, Jimmy Graham um, uh, be, being drafted after Richard Rogers, Walford, Austin Severian Jenkins, you know, Vance McDonald, a number of the other guys that we mentioned. I, I think uh, uh, it, it's obviously been a long time since you've seen him get drafted after all those guys. Um, and it is weird, no question. I, you know, I'd say, of course, it's weird because, uh, you know, Jimmy Graham has obviously been a huge stud, particularly in this format. Uh, it was only two years ago that Jimmy Graham was a top three pick, uh, the absolute top three pick, no question, very often 101 uh, type of guy. Uh, now you see him going to 1104 in this draft. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a bit, it's a bit shocking, uh, no question about it. Uh, and for that matter, I think that he still has value. I, I think he outplays that 1104 ADP. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly entirely possible, especially with the way Seattle wants to open up that offense uh, this year like they did the second half of the 2015 season. Jimmy Graham, the, I can't believe I'm going to say this, Jimmy Graham was the 27th tight end taken in tonight's draft, which is unreal to me. And, and, I, and as, as much as we say Jimmy Graham was the 27th tight end uh, drafted tonight, I feel like, uh, Alex, as we look towards round 12, 
it seems like there is 27 quarterbacks selected in round 12 alone. There is a lot of pink quarterback stickers on the draft board in the 12th round. Uh, kicking things off uh, was Philip Dorsett uh, to Billy Wasoski, and then Travis Benjamin to Bob Lung right after that. Laquan Treadwell uh, goes as the first Vikings receiver off the board to Chris Hammond. And then we see the t- uh, quarterbacks go off the board. Jameis Winston to Nelson Sousa as his number one. Andy Dalton uh, as uh, Jay Berg's uh, number one quarterback. I think the biggest surprise here was that Jay already having Le'Veon Bell, uh, again, being suspended for the first four games of the season. We think uh, Le'Veon Bell maybe said something else on Instagram uh, today that he doesn't think he's going to miss any games. But as of right now, suspended four games. Uh, He also drafts Josh Gordon, who's been suspended for four games. I thought for sure he'd take Tom Brady, who's also uh, suspended for the first four games of the season. But he takes Andy Dalton here (laughs) in the 12th round. Brady was actually already off the board. Uh, And then Tyrod Taylor uh, to Evan Silva right after that. Tyrod Taylor is Evan Silva's number one quarterback. The second receiver from the Minnesota Vikings draft tonight is Stephon Diggs, and he goes to Rob Vieira. Marcus Mariota and Matthew Stafford, two more quarterbacks selected in this round. Mariota to Jared Smola from Draft Sharks. Matthew Stafford to Greg Zwickle. Mohamed Sanu, the new uh, Falcons receiver, goes to David Dory from the Huddle.com uh, with the third to last pick of the 12th round. And for good measure, two more quarterbacks drafted this round. That's Derek Carr to Rick Raymaker, Tony Romo to uh, Yahoo Sports Scott Pianowski. So we see uh, seven quarterbacks go off the board in this round. Pretty crazy uh, to see that many quarterbacks go off the board. But I think in the same way, uh, Alex, that you want to make sure that you have two tight ends by the end of round 10, you want to make sure you at least have one quarterback uh, by the uh, by the end of the 12th at a minimum. And I think a lot of teams, given this draft experts format, they're trying to get uh, their second quarterback uh, in the 12th round. Yeah, absolutely. So, so interesting to see so many quarterbacks going. It also speaks to the draft expert strategy. I'm looking forward to seeing what the next few rounds look like, right? The, you, you look at a number of teams. Um, uh, well, I guess on this board, there's only one team that has three quarterbacks, uh, 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 which is Bob Lung. Um, uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens with the quarterbacks. A lot of people like to take three quarterbacks, but there aren't 36 viable starters in the league. In fact, there are probably not 32 because there are a number of teams that have um, uh, you know, open quarterback situation. So it'll be interesting to see. I think one interesting thing for me uh, here in terms of what happened in the 12th round with the QBs um, is that you had guys like Jameis Winston, Tyrod, Mariota uh, going ahead of guys like Matt Ryan, um, uh, Tannehill, and so on and so forth, you know, who you may say uh, are slightly more experienced guys, right? Uh, so Winston and Mariota, obviously second-round guys, both of those guys being the first quarterbacks taken by their respective teams, um, uh, Winston by Nelson Sousa uh, and Mariota by uh, Jared Smola. Um, uh, so quite interesting to see those strategies uh, there, no question. Do we look forward to the uh, 13th round here as we uh, we press on in this uh, division number two of the pros versus Joes? A lot of uh, rookie receivers here, uh, or excuse me, a lot of rookies being drafted in this round, and also a couple of guys who are sort of really having their rookie seasons, playing either no or limited playing time last year. Isaiah Crowell is the first pick of the 13th round to Scott Pianowski. Vincent Jackson goes to Rick Raymaker after that, and then Will Fuller, the rookie receiver from Houston, goes to David Dory. Mike Wallace is the selection by Greg Zwickle. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is the second quarterback uh, selected by uh, DraftSharks.com's Jared Smola. And then we see Sammy Coates go off the board 
to Rob Vieira, DeAndre Washington, another rookie, to Evan Silva. That is his number three running back, I believe. Yes, number three running back. So interesting uh, uh, team construction there by Evan Silva. Brashad Perriman goes to uh, Jay Berg, uh, the pick after Evan Silva's. Matt Ryan he goes to uh, Nelson Sousa right after that. The 13-10 pick tonight, C.J. Proceis, another rookie. And then Jay Cutler and Joe Flacco round things out to Bob Lung and Billy Wasowski, respectively. A lot of youth here in the 13th round, a lot of unknowns, uh, Alex. We're not even halfway through this draft. I mean, it, it's a 28-rounder, so we're nearly there, but we're already seeing uh, teams really take advantage of, of some potential lottery ticket guys in, in Sammy Coates, in Brashad Perriman, and even, to a certain extent, DeAndre Washington and, uh, and C.J. Proceis, guys that, given the opportunity, really could excel. Of all those young players that were drafted in that round, uh, who is the guy that's most likely going to make it on the majority of your teams this year? And I'll, I'll just narrow it down for you between Will Fuller, Sammy Coates, DeAndre Washington, Brashad Perriman, and C.J. Proceis. Which one uh, is, uh, is the guy that you like best in the 13th? So of those guys, I like Coach the best. I just think he's got the most upside. His situation is such where he could go in and start, right? I think uh, you look at the other guys, um, uh, you look at the start with the running backs. If you look at DeAndre Washington, um, now, very well, you know, and it's, it's slightly concerning to people that own a lot of uh, uh, Ladarius, uh, uh, or, or, or sorry, uh, Latavius Murray for that matter. Um, it's slightly concerning that actually Washington could come in and take the job there, uh, but we'll have to see how that shakes out. Uh, Procise, you know, and this is typically where he gets drafted, so the value is not that bad. In fact, the value is pretty good in terms of where he gets drafted in a typical football guy's drafts. Um, but you just don't know what's going to happen there, right? You have a, you have a committee of guys there, obviously Rawls, uh, hopefully comes back healthy. Uh, but you've got Kristen Michael there. You've got Alex Collins there. So, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Sean Perriman, um, you know, again, it, it's a bit unknown. Uh, he was hurt last year. He's got a lot of upside, but he's, you know, he's been injured this year again. Uh, you just don't know what he's going to be. Um, and Fuller uh, is sort of the same. He's in a situation that appears to be a little bit crowded. Um, uh, but, you know, we'll see what, what that situation ends up looking like. I think Sammy Coach to me, is the guy of all those guys uh, that is in the best situation, right, uh, particularly with Martavis Bryant uh, being suspended. Um, basically, you've got as the number two and three receivers, Wheaton and Coates. Um, I can tell you, uh, myself and Chris Holland have drafted a lot of Wheaton because um, we think he's got a lot of upside uh, as a typical sort of ninth, tenth, eleventh round value guy. Um, but Coates has a lot of upside. Thirteenth round, you don't argue with it. He's in a great situation. Uh, he's going to, you know, he's going to, he's going to play a lot of snaps in a lot of games, uh, and he's got upside. So I think as far as the safest pick, the one that, in in my view, produces out of those five rookies that you mentioned, uh, is Coach. Right now, it, it, that's not to say again, DeAndre Washington could take the job in Oakland. You just don't know what's going to happen. You know. That you don't know what's going to happen, and, and certainly far be it from any of us to uh, to rip on another man's uh, or another woman's uh, double-digit round pick. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens tenth round on, man. You can't you can't really call it into question a whole lot. This is where you're sniffing out the sleepers. We're going to sniff out the analysis, team-by-team uh, -team analysis, when we come back uh, after our final break. This is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the FFPC Pros versus Joes, Division Number 2, November Rain. Rolls on with Eric Balkman and Alex Blake right after this. 
Welcome back into the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, broadcasting once again all six FFPC Pros versus Joe's drafts. Each of these 12-team drafts pits six FFPC High Stakes Fantasy Player Joe's and six industry analyst expert pros. Uh, tonight is no different. Six Joes, six pros taking on the uh, taking on the world, trying to get the uh, FFPC main event entry that is up for grabs. And uh, those guys will, uh, whoever wins it, will try to win uh, a six-figure grand prize in Las Vegas uh, coming up next year. Of course, the 2016 FFPC main event going on at the Westgate Superbook this year, opening weekend in the NFL season. Remember, if you have a deposit down on a team or if you want to get in or if you want to add another team, now is the time to do it because today is the deadline to get your early draft slot by this coming weekend. So check that out at myffpc.com. Pay your team uh, off today, pay your balance off today, and you're going to find out where you're picking in Vegas or online, live or online, uh, coming up in uh, in September. So a lot of interesting stuff there, a lot of interesting stuff going on in this draft. We're going to go team by team here, Alex, and, and we'll just talk about the construction and, and the players uh, on each of these squads here as we enter the 15th round of this draft. We'll kick it off with Scott Pianowski, who had the number one pick tonight, Scott, from uh, Yahoo Sports, of course. The quarterbacks on his team, Philip Rivers, Tony Romo, Teddy Bridgewater. The running backs, Jeremy Hill, D'Angelo Williams, Chris Ivory, Bilal Powell, and Isaiah Crowell. The receivers, Antonio Brown, Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton, and Larry Fitzgerald. And the tight ends, Delaney Walker, Eric Ebron, and Lance Kendrick. So, Alex, my thoughts on this initially, um, quarterbacks to me, and I've said this for years when we broadcast these shows, they don't, I mean, if you get three competent guys, I think that you're already ahead of the curve uh, in this best ball format. Uh, the fact that he was able to get Delaney Walker and a, a potential breakout in Eric Ebron, I like that. I would have liked to see a better third tight end uh, than Lance Kendricks. Uh, but the fact that he went so receiver heavy early means uh, that he had to pound the running backs. And he did a good job getting Hill, Williams, Ivory, Powell, and Kroll. I really like what he did there. The one drawback? I would have liked to see another receiver or two after he drafted those first four. He gets Brown, Cooper, Hilton, and Fitz, but he has nobody on the roster at that position after that. So, And receiver depth is very important uh, in this draft. I don't know how he's going to fill in the blanks after that, but the rest of his team looks very solid after going so receiver-heavy early. Uh, no question about it. Uh, I think you know he, he employed a four-WR strategy to start or zero-RB or whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, did well with Delaney, and he managed to solve running back, right? So, you know, I think uh, we, we, we talked already about D'Angelo. Uh, I think between Ivory and Powell, he's going to find a lot of production there. Crowell is a guy that, um, you know, I don't know whether it's his attitude or what it is. I don't, I don't love Crowell. However, in the 13th round, I think he represents a lot of value there. Uh, I don't know that Duke Johnson, as much as I, as much as I like, he's a University of Miami guy, um, I just don't know that he can survive, you know, carrying the rock, you know, 250, 300 times. Uh, so they maybe have a pounder there with Crowell and, and Duke Johnson uh, uh, catching the ball. So um, tight ends, I think he did well. I agree. He, you know, you I think they like to have uh, a better third tight end than Kendricks, uh, but you know, you can't really go wrong with uh, Delaney and Ebron. Um, uh, quarterbacks look awesome uh, for a club like this. This is a type of quarterback, uh, a trio that. I think I would like, you know, these are going to be guys that start 16 games um, uh, unquestionably, so, so I think you did well there. Uh, and lastly, I agree with you on the fact that um, although he, he's got obviously a lot of heat at receiver uh, with those top four guys, um, he's got to build some depth. I think, I think he's got an opportunity to build depth. 
and maybe even some some you know sort of receiver handcuffing here a little bit. Um, but you know he's got to start working on it. I think. Yeah, and, and the other thing we should mention, I don't think I've mentioned it through throughout the broadcast, but the FFPC format, you have to start uh, one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, a kicker, a defense, and then two flexes, which can be a running back, receiver, or tight end. So technically, he only needs to start two of those receivers every single week. So there's a lot of potential with Scott Pianowski's team. Let's talk about Rick Raymaker, who drafted out of the two spot tonight. He gets Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, and Brock Osweiler as his quarterbacks. The running backs are Jamal Charles, Deion Lewis, Jonathan Stewart, Tevin Coleman. Uh, the receivers, Odell Beckham, Demarius Thomas, Kelvin Benjamin, and Vincent Jackson. And he gets Zach Miller, Will Ty, Richard Rodgers as a tight end. He also has a defense on his roster, the Carolina Football Panthers there. So, uh, you know, just briefly uh, talking about Rick's team, again, a lot of, of receiver depth early, and then he didn't take another one after he took Benjamin in the fifth, didn't take another one until Vincent Jackson in the 13th. And, uh, you know, I'm I guess these are unsexy names at tight end, but they might do the job. Uh, they're all three uh, sort of lower options, but the fact that you only need to get one of those guys going off every week uh, to be successful, there's certain be, certainly uh, a little bit uh, to, left to be desired there. I think he did okay there, and the quarterbacks I obviously like as well. Uh, any thoughts on Rick Raymaker's team, Alex? Uh, yeah, I like it as well. He obviously went for, for the balance strategy. Um, he does have some injury risk on the team with Jamal, Deion Lewis, and Calvin Benjamin uh, all coming off injuries, uh, but he should be okay there at the end of the day. Um, and, again, it's a well-balanced strategy. I like Russell Wilson in the, in the seventh. They got good value there. Uh, we spoke about Tevin Coleman earlier. Um, uh, but, again, he's got to build depth, as you mentioned. That probably is going to be the case for most clubs, uh, you know, through the 15th round in this format. Um, most clubs are not going to have the kind of depth that they need, uh, they need ultimately. And the other thing is, in my experience with draft experts, um, you know, you, you're going to build good clubs. Most, most guys know how to build good clubs in the early rounds. It's about finding those guys in the, you know, in the next round, 16 to 28, uh, that end up breaking out and contributing. Uh, and, you know, that's what depth is all about. Yeah, I think of last year you had uh, Travis Benjamin, Sharkandrick West, uh, two late picks in FFPC draft experts leagues that ended up winning a lot of people uh, a lot of money last year. So it's definitely important to hit on those late picks. David Dory from the huddle.com was drafting out of the third hole tonight. Blake Bortles and Carson Palmer are his quarterbacks. Doug Martin, Carlos Hyde, Thomas Rawls, Melvin Gordon are the, his uh, running backs, uh, the receivers, Julio Jones, Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard, Muhammad Sanu, and Will Fuller. Uh, the tight ends, Dwayne Allen and Mark uh, Martellus Bennett, and he hits uh, the Denver Broncos defense and the Seattle Seahawks defense. So he has a couple of defenses already after 15 rounds. Uh, we look at this team, Alex, and uh, I'm, I'm nervous about the receiver depth uh, a, a little bit. Maybe not the depth. Maybe that's not accurate, but Sterling Shepard is your number three is just uh, a little bit weaker than what I would like to have uh, if this were my team. Uh, you look at um, – uh, the running backs, too. You, you get pretty good value on Martin, pretty I mean, decent value on Hyde. And then Rawls, if he ends up being the guy as that number three running back, that could be great. I like the Melvin Gordon pick in the ninth round, the fact that he is, uh, you know, should be the starter in San Diego, should bounce back from a, a bad rookie season. Um, and if, if Sanu and Fuller uh, end up, uh, you know, having, especially Fuller, having, you know, being the deep threat that he is, having those big-time uh, plays uh, in Houston – uh, where he catches a 60-yard touchdown, you know, once out of every three or four games. That could be massive as well. So an interesting team here put together by David Dory. No question about it. Uh, I totally agree with you on the receiver depth. 
but you know he's got an opportunity to build to, to, to build that depth here. I love the running backs. I think for having gone two uh, two receivers in the first two picks, uh, I think he built himself a very strong running back squad here, and I think, think that's indicative of what can be done this year. Um, uh, he's to, to, to build this kind of a running back squad. Hyde and, and Rawls uh, have upside to significantly outplay where they were drafted. Um, uh, and we'll go from there. Sterling Shepard, we spoke about earlier with, with Tango and Cash from the draft yesterday. Um, and look, I mean, he could be the number two in New York. Uh, you know, you've obviously got that Eli Manning offense there, uh, but he's got to build depth to the position, no question. And interesting that he took the two defenses uh, back to back here. That's an interesting strategy. Um, we'll see if it pays off. Greg Zwickle, the FFPC Joe drafting from the number four spot gets uh, Drew Brees and Matt Stafford as his quarterbacks. Mark Ingram, Ryan Matthews, Jay Ajayi, Garrett Blount, and Shane Vereen are the running backs. Alshon Jeffrey, Eric Decker, Marvin Jones, and Mike Wallace are the receivers. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, Zach Ertz, Clive Walford, Jimmy Graham are the tight ends. And I think you look at this team, Alex, uh, and, and there is a premium to be paid if you're going to take four tight ends by the end of the 11th round. And I, I think he paid for it in having um, uh, Marvin Jones uh, as his number three and Mike Wallace as his number four. So uh, definitely great tight end depth. Okay, a quarterback, I mean, fine, a quarterback, obviously. Uh, pretty good at running back, um, but receiver, again, I, I think that we see this end of the draft board really didn't pound receivers as much as the other, uh, the right side of the draft board. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting looking club. I, you know, I, I characterize as you look at the first 11 rounds, four tight ends. Um, I think that also cost him some depth, but clearly he's looking for production out of the position. We talked about Jimmy Graham and the value that he got the 11.04 earlier. Uh, uh, which is pretty significant. I think he got great value on Breeze at the ninth round um, uh, as well. Uh, but I agree with you with the receiver position. And again, just like the other clubs, uh, he's now got to look to build depth there. Yeah, you have to be weak somewhere. And uh, the teams on this side of the draft board are, are, are very strong. Uh, most other positions, receiver, they're going to have to be working on that in the second half of the draft. DraftSharks.com's Jared Smola was picking. Uh, fifth tonight he ends up with Marcus Mariota Ryan Tannehill after waiting on quarterback the running backs are David Johnson Devontae Freeman Matt Forte Frank Gore and Kenneth Dixon at receiver he has Randall Cobb Michael Floyd Michael Crabtree Willie Sneed Doriel Green Beckham Terrence Williams and Pierre Garçon and the tight ends are Julius Thomas and Austin Safarian Jenkins I really like this team uh, Alex, I, I like the fact that he waited on quarterback. Still got Mariota and Tannehill. I'd like to see, would have liked to see him get another one here instead of Pierre Garcon. Uh, but maybe he'll look to address that in the 17th round. I think the running backs are fantastic. I think the receivers are going to be just fine with the depth that he's built up behind Cobb, Floyd, and Crabtree. And the tight ends, I mean, I mean you always want to see three of them at this point. The fact that he has ASJ, ASJ comes on. Julius Thomas, I really like this year. I think this is a solid team. I completely agree. Uh, this is a solid, well-rounded team with a lot of good depth at, at most of the positions. I thought Kenneth Dixon was an interesting pick. We spoke earlier um, about the, the Baltimore backfield there. Uh, interesting pick, some value, the 15th round there. Uh, we'll see whether he contributes for, for this ball club, but certainly the receiver depth is great. Uh, starting running backs are, are very, very solid here. Um, uh, and, yeah, he needs, he needs depth at tight end. Uh, you know, he, he went ASJ. Uh, over Jimmy Graham, you know, we'll see whether that works out. Um, but I do like the quarterbacks, and he, he'll get one. I, I think, you know, for waiting on QB, I, I wouldn't say he necessarily has to reach on one even in the 17th. Um, you know, I, I think there are guys, not, now you're looking, I haven't counted, of course, but now you're looking at the, you know, say the 28th, 29th quarterback, 
um, and those types of situations tend to be less resolved on their respective teams. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens. I think he's pretty good with uh, Mariota on Tannehill there. Former uh, FFPC pros versus Joe runner-up Rob Vieira was selecting six tonight. He ends up with Andrew Luck and Tom Brady at quarterback. Todd Gurley, C.J. Anderson, Duke Johnson, Rashad Jennings, and Darren Sproles in the backfield. Keenan Allen, Sammy Watkins, Emmanuel Sanders, Stephon Diggs, Sammy Coates at receiver. Gary Barnage and Charles Clay are the tight ends. He also has Justin Ch- uh, Justin Tucker excuse me, and Arizona. So you look at this team, and, and I, I like the, uh, the running back depth. Uh, I think the receivers – uh, are okay uh, for the top three. Again, um, you know, getting digs and coats are, are two high upside guys there uh, that will be starting for him uh, for several weeks this season when they have those big games. So I like, I actually, I, I can get behind the receiver depth there. Barnage and Clay, they're not great names, but I, I think when you look at their end of season production, it's going to be good. And obviously Luck and Brady, man, pick your poison there. He's going to be crushing it at the quarterback position every week this year. Uh, no question. Another another pretty deep team here. Um, I even, even look at Jennings and Sproles is going to get production out of those guys there. Uh, and uh, Diggs and Coates is going to get production there, right? So, yeah, the, the tight ends are, are unsexy. Um, and, and, you know, he did take Barnage. You alluded to, to it earlier. He did take Barnage and Clay uh, ahead of maybe some bigger names uh, there. Uh, but clearly he likes them. It's interesting on Barnage. It's going to be interesting to see what he is this year. Uh, you know, obviously had a great year last year, but it's a very different quarterback situation there. Um, obviously, some different coaching there as well. Um, you know, I, I think Barnage is a is, is a is a risk reward pick, no question. He, could, he obviously played much better than eighth round uh, uh, type of draft position last year. Uh, we'll see whether that uh, whether that comes true again this year. So it's a risk reward pick. And we see Josh Gordon get pushed up in the ADP tonight. Gary Barnage falls actually a little bit now. Barnage didn't have to contend with Gordon last year for targets. He will indeed have to this year. Evan Silva from rotoworld.com picking seventh gets also waits on quarterback till the 12th round. He gets Tyrod Taylor and Alex Smith. The running backs are LaShawn McCoy, Charles Sims, DeAndre Washington, and James Starks. At receiver, A.J. Green, Allen Robinson, Jeremy Macklin, John Brown, Deshaun Jackson, Devin Funches, and then at tight end, Tyler Eifert, Antonio Gates, and Kyle Rudolph. He also has Mason Crosby at tight end. And I got to tell you, Alex, this team is one team that is super deep at receiver. Love what he did at receiver. I'm I really a, a big fan of his tight ends as well. The fact that he was able to get Tyrod Taylor in the 12th, who was a favorite for FFPC high-stakes guys this year, getting Alex Smith as his number two quarterback. If he can add another starter there, I think he'll be all right. And then you look at those, uh, those running backs. A lot of handcuffs there. Charles Sims, DeAndre Washington, James Starks. If one of those guys was able to step up and get the opportunity to be the starter because of an injury to Eddie Lacy, Latavius Murray, uh, or uh, Doug Martin, he's going to be sitting pretty uh, and definitely going to be in the thick of it until the end of the season. Yeah, I got to say, I was looking at uh, Evan's team here through the ninth round. I love the, the team, uh, and I still love it. That's not to say that, that I don't like it. I, I think the team is suffering a little bit from the running back depth situation. He started Charles Sims, who in his own right, uh, actually had a pretty good year last year as a third down back, a, a pass catching back there in Tampa Bay, uh, and obviously would be a, you know would would elevate significantly if uh, Doug Martin something happened to Doug Martin um, uh, type thing. Uh, you know, I, you look at this team; it's got a huge amount of depth at receiver. I love the tight ends, also as you mentioned, uh, quarterbacks look good. And Alex Smith, I think, is a great draft expert type quarterback. Um, uh, uh, you know, you see him get drafted a lot in, the, in this type of uh, this type of route. 
So the team looks good. He just needs to build running back depth and, and needs to find some production here in the later rounds. We talked about Jay Berg's team quite a bit tonight, so I'll, I'll be brief on this one, but he also waits to round 12 to get a quarterback. Uh, he gets uh, Andy Dalton and Robert Griffin. Uh, his running backs are Le'Veon Bell, DeMarco Murray, Arian Foster, Derek Henry. Uh, receivers Doug Baldwin, Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, Kamar Aiken, Steve Smith, Brashad Perriman. He gets Jordan Reed and Greg Olson as his two tight ends. Also has Stephen Goskowski and Robert Hauschka, Robert Hauschka, Stephen Hauschka on his team as well uh, for kickers. So you look at Jay Berg's team, uh, pretty good depth at running back, pretty good depth at receiver. Uh, he gets those two stud tight ends early, uh, and he'll be counting on them. And then Dalton and Griffin, I think as he gets another quarterback, this is another team that's going to be very competitive for the duration of the season. Yeah, no question. Uh, we already spoke a lot about Jay's team, a team with a huge amount of upside. Uh, no question with Le'Veon and, and Josh Gordon uh, on the ball club and, and tying up also the receiver situations with the receiver handcuff with uh, Gordon and Coleman, uh, Aiken and Steve Smith, and Brashard Perriman, for that matter, uh, also in the Baltimore situation. So the team looks good. Um, I think at this stage of the game, you know, for me, he needs to build a bit of running back depth. He just took Spencer Ware who's a guy that, to be honest, I love the 17th round. I think he outplays Sarkandrick. You don't know what's going to happen in that Kansas City situation with Charles coming off of the injury and, and, and a fair bit of wear and tear on his legs as well. Um, I think Ware wins that battle for the backup position and, and you know, could score some points this year. So he did, he did well to lock up that situation there. Nelson Sousa is giving away a Matthew Stafford autographed football to anybody who wins this league tonight. He currently owns that football, so he's trying to defend it. Here's how he tried to with this team. Jameis Winston and Matt Ryan at quarterback. Lamar Miller, Eddie Lacy, Latavius Murray, Devontae Booker, and Paul Perkins at running back. Des Bryant, Julian Edelman, Jordan Matthews, Tyler Lockett, Kevin White, Chris Hogan at receiver. Vance McDonald and Jordan Cameron are at the tight end position. He also has uh, the New England uh, defense. He also got, excuse me, Virgil Green is his number three tight end. So I look at this team, uh, Alex, really good uh, top to bottom. If, uh, if those tight ends come through, uh, he is going to be a force to be reckoned with with that running back and receiver depth. Tight ends are the big question for his squad. And did we lose Alex? I apologize. We might have lost Alex. Oh, well, sorry, sorry. Could... I had you on mute. I had you on mute. So, so I had you on mute oh, so you okay. couldn't hear me opening my. So you couldn't hear me opening my next beer. Uh, ah, I got <laughs> I you. Well, crack... uh, so, <laughs> so we, we we were speaking about the squad earlier. Uh, really like the squad as well. Tight end is where he's got to find production, but I, I think I think we'll get something there. Um, uh, interesting, the Virgil Green pick. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens from here with that Hogan as a potential cuff to, to Edelman. Hogan is an interesting guy. You know, does he become Wes Welker in that New England offense? Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, certainly an interesting, interesting guy. Uh, but I like the ball club. I, I do really like the ball club, no question. Chris Hammond is uh, the Joe picking at the 10 pick, and, of course, longtime listener of the show, Wasp guy, in the chat room right now says this is his uh, team that he likes the best tonight. We'll go through it. Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Uh, running backs are Ezekiel Elliott, Danny Woodhead, Matt Jones, T.J. Yeldon, and C.J. Procise. The receivers are DeAndre Hopkins, Golden Tate, Devontae Parker, Laquan Treadwell, and Michael Thomas. Uh, Kobe Fleener, Ladarius Green are the tight ends, and he also has Blair Welsh uh, and the Rams defense uh, also on his team as well. So I look at this team, and, and, and I agree with, uh, with Wasp Guy. I think that this is a solid team. Um, 
a lot of youth, though, uh, when you look at this squad. Michael Thomas, C.J. Procise, Laquan Treadwell, all rookies. He also has Ezekiel Elliott, who's a rookie. So if these guys are able to uh, perform up to what their potential is right away their rookie year, uh, this is going to be a, a very explosive squad here put together by Chris Hammond. All right, I completely agree. I like what he did with the receiver depth here. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, the, the running backs, Ezekiel, I, I'm, I'm always wary, and I think uh, Jay mentioned this earlier, always wary of picking a rookie running back this early. However, uh, at the 203, um, that is awesome value for Ezekiel Elliott. I'm just looking at my ADP here. Um, uh, I'm not sure. Let's see. Yeah, we've never seen a football guy's drafts, uh, at least in the last sort of week or so, uh, we have not seen Ezekiel Elliott go anywhere near this late, right? So he got great value off him. He also got great value off DeAndre Hopkins, to, to be honest. Uh, really drove a lot of value down to the end of the board there. He did, did a great job of creating depth here. Uh, and, yeah, I like the ball club as well. It's a good team. Big guy fantasy sports. Bob Lung was drafting from the 11th spot. He's the last pro we'll look at tonight. Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins, and Jay Cutler at quarterback. Adrian Peterson, Justin Forsett, Theo Riddick and Alfred Morris at running back. Receivers are Jordy Nelson, Jarvis Landry, Alan Hearns, Torrey Smith, Travis Benjamin. Uh, the tight ends, Jason Witten, Benjamin Watson, and Jacob Tammy. Uh, then you look at uh, Graham Gano as his kicker, Chiefs defense, Bengals defense. Uh, I look at this squad, and um, the, the tight ends aren't exciting, but they should get the job done. The fact that he had three of them by the end of 14 uh, it should, should be fine. Uh, Cam Newton paired with Kirk Cousins and, and Jay Cutler is going to be great. Um, the running backs, I guess, I, I, are my question mark here. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with Adrian Peterson. I think if Forsett bounces back, he'll pay off fifth-round value. But then you look at Theo Riddick as the number three and then not taking another running back until Alfred Morris. I, the running, it's running back depth, especially with how they've been going down the last couple of years, uh, is so important, especially in this best ball format. So I think running back might be the stumbling block for uh, Bob Long here. Other than that, a uh, very solid team. I agree. Very solid team. Um, obviously, we spoke with him earlier. Chris Holland would be proud with that Tammy pick. He's a big Tammy guy. <laughs> so I, I thought I'd mention that. Uh, but the running backs, you know, you got a question a little bit. We obviously spoke with him about Forsett as well. Uh, so if Forsett ends up being the starter, then I think he's in pretty good shape. I love Theo Riddick as an eighth-round guy. I think that represents value, and he, he, he produces quite a lot. Uh, but then he waited until the 17th to take Alfred Morris, you know, a guy that, that is really sort of Ezekiel Elliott dependent, uh, Alfred Morris. So, uh, you know, I think in the latter rounds, he's got to build depth at running back uh, in order to bolster the squad and find some upside there, hopefully. Final team we look at tonight is FFPC pro Billy Wasoski. He takes Aaron Rodgers and Joe Flacco as his signal callers. Giovanni Bernard, Amir Abdullah, Jeremy Langford, Jordan Howard, Jaborius Buck Allen as his running backs. Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, Dante Moncrief, Marcus Wheaton, Tavon Austin, Philip Dorsett are his receivers. And then he gets Travis Kelsey, Jared Cook at the tight end position, Chris Boswell, Cairo Santos at kicker, and the Minnesota Vikings defense. Again, a a very explosive, high upside team here, uh, Alex, as we look at uh, Billy's team. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, We were talking earlier about the Langford-Howard pairing. I think that's good. It looks really, really good. Uh, Abdul is a bit of a question mark. Um, uh, I, I really like Bernard, uh, particularly as a fifth-round guy, pass-catching back. I think he'll, he's, he's going to produce a lot of points. Um, you know, this team, I would say, really is about the strength and depth of receiver, which is just awesome. Um, uh, but also the tight ends 
course, he's got Kelsey. But after Kelsey Cook, there are question marks about whether he starts. I was reading today that he's on the uh, uh, sort of on the season beginning pop list. Um, so there's some question marks around him. I'd say tight end is really where he needs to build some depth. Maybe also at running back too, although he looks pretty good there. Uh, but I think he's got to build a little bit of depth because he's got guys with question marks. Well, Alex, listen, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on tonight. Uh, you uh, you definitely brought a, a fresh insight uh, to this uh, pros versus Joe's competition. I don't think we've ever had a Joe a co-host, uh, a former you know a former champion of this uh, format, co-host the show before. I got to tell you, man. You absolutely crushed it tonight. It was fantastic having you on, picking your brain, giving us your insight on this. Really appreciate it. And I want to wish you best of luck uh, in all of your leagues this year. Of course, we're all going to follow you on Twitter at ALXBLK1 and at Kimura Fantasy. Uh, and, and who knows, maybe we'll see you actually back in this event in 2017. Hopefully so. Eric, let me thank you uh, uh, wholeheartedly for the opportunity to co-host. It's been a great deal of fun. Uh, you ever need anybody to sit in, let me know. I, I'm always available. Uh, and best of luck to, to all the guys here. I think, you know, I look at most of these clubs. Uh, most of them look really good. So congratulations to everybody. And thanks again, Eric, uh, to, to, to you. And also to, to you know, th- thanks to Dave for being on vacation. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you ever need anybody, let me know. Well, listen, with all the vacations Dave goes on, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll, be, I'll keep you on the short list, man. <laughs> all right. Thanks, man. Alex Blake, ladies and gentlemen, from uh, Kimura Fantasy. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at ALXBLK1 and at uh, Kimura Fantasy. He uh, is a former Pros versus Joe's main event, or excuse me, Pros versus Joe's league champion, and I think uh, you understood why. Uh, had uh, all the angles covered tonight, a lot of great insight. Unfortunately, that is going to do it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have to sign off now. I do want to thank not only Alex Blake, who did a fantastic job uh, co-hosting tonight, but I also want to thank Darren Armani from FantasyMojo.com, who does a great job putting this together. Uh, thank, big thanks to him uh, for the opportunity to broadcast this tonight. I want to thank Matt Zozula from uh, Tango and Cash. Follow him on Twitter at Tango and Cash FF. Uh, Bob Lung from Big Guy Fantasy Sports. Remember to get that FF consistency guide at BigGuyFantasySports.com. Follow him on Twitter at Bob underscore Lung. And, of course, Jay Berg from ProtoBlock. Follow him on Twitter at JBNY and at ProtoBlock. Remember, go to ProtoBlock.com if you want to get entered into that raffle for a 2017 FFPC main event team. Uh, Odds are very good right now, so definitely check that out. Uh, That is going to do it for tonight, but tomorrow we will be doing another show again. It is going to be the Blame It on the Rain Division number three. Uh, Special guest co-host, the guy who is drafting tonight from the five spot, Jared Smola from DraftSharks.com will join us uh, for uh, two hours of coverage tomorrow. He'll talk about uh, his thoughts on doing his draft tonight, uh, talk about uh, some insight that he'll give uh, on uh, the draft tomorrow. Who's going to be participating I'll tell you, FFPC Joe's Ted Planka, Raymond Scannell, Jamie Joseph, Rashad Cobb, Craig Strang, and Kimra Schlischer will all be representing the FFPC tomorrow. And from uh, DraftSharks.com, Matt Schauf will be uh, pro number one. We'll also have DraftTV.com, Shane Hallam, Chris Liss, and Jeff Erickson from RotoWire, Jules McLean from FantasyFreakinFootball.com, JJ Zacharyson from NumberFire, and of course, Jay Myers from DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. As a reminder, you can view the full draft board at fantasymojo.com. Uh, Darren Armani will have those up shortly. I do have to cut the live stream off uh, on YouTube shortly, 
Uh, so you won't see the last nine rounds there, but you can view them when uh, Darren gets those put up on fantasymojo.com. You can also check out myffpc.com, the message boards there. The High Stakes Fantasy Football or Facebook and Twitter will also be posting those draft boards this week. I remind everybody to sign up for the main event at myffpc.com. Make sure that you get in uh, to get your early draft spots right now. Uh, today's the last day, so if you're listening to this tomorrow, it's too late. But uh, definitely still check out the FFPC main event. We have online satellite Superflex League and football guys drafts uh, going on at myffpc.com. So check that out. Uh, hopefully this gives you the itch to draft. Um, and, and now you know, uh, get a good sense of where these guys are going. We'll be back tomorrow. An hour later, it's going to be 10-9 Central tomorrow with Jared Small and myself covering Division Number 3. Your Tuesday officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. That was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Tight ends with the name of the game tonight. What will the name of the game tomorrow be? Jared Smola and Draft Sharks is going to tell us. It's going to be a lot of fun, ladies and gentlemen. Tune in tomorrow, 10-9 Central. I'm Eric Balkman. Have a great day.